In the wrestling world, the people are represented by two separate but unequally important groups. The wrestlers and bookers, who literally do all the hard work, and the fans, who endlessly nitpick and overanalyze everything they do. These are their stories. Welcome to Raw and Order, the wrestling booking unit, the only wrestling podcast on the planet that uses terms like jurisdiction and precinct on the regular. I am your host, Detective Mark Sparks, and I'm joined by my partner in crime fighting, District Attorney Vincent K. Fabe. What's going on, man? How are you? New struggle in life, man. Just a brand new struggle. Remembering the last time we said anything about jurisdiction in a precinct. <laughs> uh, we just <laughs> said it twice. <laughs> That's, oh. That'll count as on the regular. I guess there's a precinct <laughs> well, we're going to talk about today. So. I, I also use it on the regular on Twitter. Like, when I see something, I'll say, well, not exactly my jurisdiction, but so... So I cover that on Twitter. You say dick on Twitter? I do it all the time, especially when I'm tweeting at Joey Ryan. (laughs) Also joining us today and most of the time, our brother from up north, RCMP, JLB. What's going on? It It is me. It is me. It is Justin JLB, fresh off that double or nothing and i went double on in and i want it all back baby i am good guys how you doing we're good we're good we're good double or nothing is going to be the main uh source of conversation for this episode because it's all i've been thinking about for the last day well isn't this a recap tonight yes it's gonna be it's gonna be basically a recap there is at least one thing that i'm gonna want to cover before then and it's kind of a downer it's kind of a bummer but it's something that at least needs to be talked about and addressed on this um before we get to all of that though i would like to remind everyone that raw and order wbu is part of the tatnus co podcast network so when you're done listening to this episode and and in our previous episode and our SmackDown review and our, our AEW Dynamite review and our NXT review and all of those, and of course liking and sharing them on Twitter and subscribing to them and all of that stuff, head on over to tatnusco.com. Check out all of the other shows on the network, like Tatnus Podcast Uncensored, Chicken Hen with S&M, In the Dicebox Slam that features Nyla Rose, basement bullshit and carpool shenanigans so you can have a ton of fun listening to those things and of course come back for the next episode here hey so i'm just gonna go ahead and get the depressing and and sad stuff out of the way before we really get into the bonkers double or nothing um and that is that the wrestling uh industry as a whole was rocked twice this week uh first by the loss of shad gaspar uh, former WWE crime timer. Um, and and that's just super sad. He went out a hero. He went out uh, saving his son uh, from drowning, uh, telling the lifeguards to save his son first and come back for him. Um, and it, it's super sad. Uh, you know, it, it's the dangers of riptides and, and swimming in, in the ocean are, are very, very real. And so we're we all in the wrestling community mourn the loss of him. I I missed out on most of the crime time era that was during my hiatus uh, from wrestling, but I've seen oh, some wow. 
his matches um, on the indie circuits and and all of that stuff. And everything I've heard about him or seen about him said he he was just uh, the best best sort of guy. So um, a lot of people are really sad for that, and and we mourn. Uh, we also mourn the loss of uh, stardom up and comer Hannah Kimura. Um, she's a former stardom champion, I believe. She uh, was going to be the face of a, of a generation of female wrestlers in Japan. And that one's probably in some ways considered sadder, although there, it's hard to say uh, a father dying is not as sad as something else. But this one was was uh, apparently she was the victim of a lot of cyberbullying. And uh, that's a problem that just seems to get worse and worse in society today. And, you know, she she made some cries for help out on online and some people reacted, you know, negatively towards them. And some of them reacted like I'm really worried. And they apparently had right to be worried because uh, the next morning it came out that they had found her dead. So, um cry for help is is one of those things i've i battled depression in high school and uh like a lot of people i'm not unique in that standpoint um in fact i i would bet that of my two co-hosts um at least one of them also struggled with depression at one yeah. point um and and one of the things with uh depression is people who struggle with it get really really good at hiding the fact that they're struggling um cries for help usually come as as a last resort when we're we're so tired of of fighting it anymore and and fortunately i never got to that point i was able to get help beforehand um but that's why you know when i see people and unfortunately the night before the news came out when it was first reported that uh she was uh making tweets that were potential self-harm and all this stuff i saw a post on facebook someone saying oh, it's just a cry for help uh if she really wanted to kill herself uh it's really easy to do or something like that and and that's why i hate the phrase cry for help so much is, uh, is because it's like when they get to the point of cry for help that's real cry for help makes it sound like it's just a ploy it's just they're looking for attention getting kind attention. Of yeah and in reality most of the time uh when a depressed person gets to that cry for help they've actually made a decision in their brain their mind has clicked over to uh, i know what the solution to my problem is and if someone doesn't help them very very imminently if they don't get an intervention right away things end up like what happened so uh, to everyone who knew Hana Kimura and Shad Gaspar, we mourn with you. Um, we are very sorry for your losses. Very sorry for anyone in their families, uh, what they have to go through now. Um, but just, you know, if the world could learn to just not be a dick. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, and the Internet is a very powerful thing. It can be used for good. Uh, people can be very helpful, but also people can be very brutal. And, you know, <clears throat> that old 
that old thing of sticks and stones, you know what I mean? Sticks and stones may break my bones. Words will never hurt me. Words are the most powerful uh, tools that you can use to hurt someone. And uh, we hear about these kinds of things every day. Some people even younger than 22, teenagers who commit suicide because they just can't take it from either in, from school or anywhere else. And it is very, very sad. She was so young. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that you know, no one was a well. It, it, no one was able to uh, kind of jump in and help in that regard. And it's it's just you know a very sad day, um, a very sad week uh, to hear about both of these uh, tragic tragic stories. And yeah, I don't know. It's it's if 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 anyone is ever struggling, there is help. You're not weak at all for getting help. If anything, it just makes you even more of a stronger human being. This whole thing about going a cry for help shouldn't be a, a victim terminology or shouldn't be a terminology used to uh, be compared to craving for attention. It is not attention. If you're if 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 you're asking for help, it's because you know that something is wrong and you want to be able to get through this. Depressive people don't realize uh, as well. It's very hard for them to realize that things can get better because they're in such a different state. Um, and you know, perhaps she was in that state where she didn't think you know things could get better. Um, we, I'm sure everyone has been to some sort of level of depression they might maybe not have noticed it but it is certainly there and yeah my thoughts and prayers go out to both families uh just sad news yes and and i'm just gonna go ahead and say it here as someone who battled depression and and um in some ways still battles it i mean you're you're never 100 cured of it uh i don't think um but but my 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 Twitter DMs are open. If anyone out there is listening to this and is is fighting with it, hit me up. I'll talk to you. You know, I I'm I'm there to help anyone, right? Um, you know, this 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 is seriously something. You know, if if even just one person out there just needs someone to talk to, hit me up. I'm I'm willing to help in any way I can. So. Um, on that note, though, uh, let's move on to stuff that's way less depressing. Let's use the internet for good stuff. Yes, let's let's talk about some of the good things that happened this week, and specifically, double or nothing. Dubs. Um, and and because that's what this show is going to be about is AEW Double or Nothing, and and the biggest thing I want to say is, um, can you imagine? Jim Cornette watching Double or Nothing last night. <laughs> Can you imagine Jim Cornette watching everything that happened on Double or Nothing? Everything. Well, I mean, there was there was there was uh, there was traditionalism in some spots. There was in some, but I mean, uh, Orange Cassidy oh, no. not knowing how to open a ladder. <laughs> right. Yeah, he definitely would have hated that. That's for uh -huh. sure. He, he would have hated a lot of that match, and we'll get to that. Uh, the uh, Nyla Rose versus Hikaru Shida match, uh, I, I could see him having problems with uh, that particular um, fight just in general, shall we say. Um, well, and just because of size different, right? 
how are we supposed to believe that Hikaru Shida can beat Nyla Rose, right? Did you watch the match? That's how it happened. That's how it happened, right? <laughs> and then, of course, uh, we would not be talking anything if it weren't for the stadium stampede, um, because that particular That's match... What is he fit about? Yeah, I am... Cinematic I can imagine... matches have got to be driving him up a wall right now. The, hey, the Dustin Rhodes versus Sean Spears probably was uh, was up his alley, though. Yeah, a little betrayal yeah. from behind. Yeah. Anyways, but so we will get right into the uh, event, starting with the buy-in. Uh, best friends versus private party. Winner becomes the number one contender for the tag titles, which are currently being held by Hangman Page and Kenny Omega of the Elite. Um uh, and, you know, I, it's one of those sad things uh, for it to have to be on the buy-in. Uh, I, I almost think that this whole pre-show concept uh, has just led for to so many great matches to be put on the less-than-great times. You know what I mean? Like, and I get the reason behind buy-ins and kickoff shows and all that stuff, um, especially with like AEW who puts the buy-in for free on YouTube to try to encourage people to go buy the pay-per-view, right? And and so from that standpoint, you want to have a banger match on it. You want to have something great. But Best Friends versus Private Party is something that easily could have been uh, the third match on the card or second match on the card. You know what I mean? Uh, it it we, we tend to look down on the pre-shows and the, the kickoff shows um, because they aren't considered officially part of the show. But, I mean, best friends are always, always good. I love Trenty Locks. I love Chucky e. T. Private Party. Um, this ain't Wada. Um, best friends. Yeah. Best friends still, my opinion, best entrance theme today. Oh, wow. Wow, wow. wow. best friends. Like in AEW? Or just... It's- it's it's the only of the currently active um, in all of wrestling, as far as I'm aware of, but uh, all of wrestling that I follow, it's the only one that has made it to a ringtone on my phone right now. Wow. Okay. So that's your go-to? It's the best because it's made it as a ringtone on your phone? Really? It, it, it is the best because it's the only one that I said, you know what? That's one that I can hear all the time. It makes me smile every time I hear it. <laughs> yeah. It, period. Right. Um, like like uh, uh, Seth Rollins' new ringtone or new entrance theme? Nah, I'm out. Right? Carrie and Cross's entrance. I I like the theme. I just have questions about how it's gonna translate in a month or two when they can't afford to give him a five minute ring entrance anymore. You know what I mean? Um, how are they going to shorten that into a 30-second ring entry? It'll just go to fall on prey, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where it loses a bit when it gets to just that. Uh, Darby Allens is up there. I've I've really thought about Darby Allens a couple times. Uh, Cody's is up there because uh, it it gets stuck in my head sometimes. Right. But that's also why <laughs> I won't set it as my ringtone because I'll never get it out of my head. Um, <laughs> but like. Uh, um, Going to WWE, I I can't think of a a entrance theme that's up there for me in WWE right now. Um, I liked Gargano's for a long time, but he's using something different now, right? Now that he's bad. Oh, true. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, Candice LeRae's was really good when Hold she on. was. Finn Balor. Finn Balor's up there. Finn Balor is definitely up there. I can um, have that. Yep. I think I have had it as a ringtone before, so it's definitely up there. But, but like right now, uh, my my main ringtone on my phone, however, is it doesn't count towards this argument because it's not someone's active ringtone right now. Um, but it's Joe Hendry's music uh, from when he was in a tag team with Joseph Connors in What Culture Pro Wrestling, like four years ago. Uh, oh wow. But uh, but it was because Joe Hendry likes to make his own music. He, he he's an amateur musician, uh, so he makes it. And his theme song is Joe Hendry's music. Play Joe Hendry's music. Play Joe Hendry's music. And Joseph Connors cracks me up. I love, but but it's not an active one. He he just did it as like a, a one off for uh, that appearance through through what culture. So, anyways. Yeah. Well, I feel like you would get sued with that though. Because that sounds awfully like move it to the music, play that F in the raw theme from like way back when. Well, how you were singing it, I never actually heard the original. So it, it, it really, he, he does a lot of parodies. So, but that's the oh, I mean, okay. Pa- parodies are uh, protected under copyright law, so he's fine. Mm, fair enough. That being said, back to the actual match: best friends versus private party. Um, Great match, you know, uh, everything we would expect from these people. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know if there's anything else uh, to really say. Best friends win. Best friends, number one contenders. Uh, yeah, and I, and I saw that coming. I predicted that because you could tell they're really pushing the best friends even more so now. Um, I, I feel like Private Party hasn't been there in a hot minute either. So, like, I'm like, why wouldn't they just make the best friends win it? But then I thought, okay, maybe they'll give it to Private Party so they could finally be on some, like, TV time on Dynamite and so on. But, uh, nope. Best friends win. And e- either team winning, I would have been happy anyways. Because they're just both phenomenal tag teams. And, uh, yeah, great match. It's what I expected. And I'm glad, uh... And I'm glad it's just exactly what I wanted. So it was perfect. I had no complaints at all. Yeah. I think with Private Party, for me at least, um, you know, uh, best friends, Chucky e. T and Trent have been uh, together for a very long time. They've been wrestling for a very long time. Uh, Private Party are still pretty young, still pretty, I don't want to say green because they're really polished, but they've got a lot of uh, time ahead of them to get that extra polish that they need and and get to the championship. So I'm I was totally fine with best friends. I was all behind best friends with them. Fair, but best moving, friends, yeah, Sir. best friends, yeah. Um, and and of course, uh, best friends uh, do make an appearance in a little bit because we move on to the actual show, which kicked off with the casino ladder match. Uh, yeah. The, bonkers casino ladder match yeah. uh, that it was tons of fun and uh, you know there were a lot of people who were uh, giving it crap uh, saying it was just a money in the bank knockoff and first of all WWE did not invent the ladder match um, uh, right. there have been ladder matches before WWE they did not invent the idea of something uh, being hung above a, a ro- ring uh, that had world title implication. Um, they they did invent WWE did though, but uh, they they did, however, invent the briefcase hanging above it that includes a contract that you can cash in at any time 
for a shot at the championship. That is the twist that they put on it. And I'll give them credit for that. Um, and it's yeah, very... This was, this is, number one, it was a poker trip. Number two, it was done Royal Rumble style. That's, that's what I liked. That's what I was going to get to. Number one, it was a poker chip, not a briefcase. And we did find out officially on the show, it's not something that the person's going to get to hold on to and cash in at a time of their choice. It is, it is simply, basically, it's you become the number one contender temporarily, right? Yeah. Um, you go straight to the front of the line, which uh, means it's not a cash-in situation. You're not going to have the winner uh, coming out every week from now until... <clears throat> you know, whatever, uh, carrying the the briefcase and, oh, I might cash it in. Um, nah, it's it's literally just you get a match and we already know when the match is going to take place. They've announced it since this. Um, so, But the biggest twist they did is, like DFA mentioned, Royal Rumble style. Uh, first two people started in the ring and then every two minutes, another person came in with nine total entries. Right. I uh, love that they opened this with Kaz with Kazarian and uh Guy. Yes. Guy. I was praying that the third entrant would be Christopher Daniels. Um I was hoping that they would just cheat the system. Like I know SEU's good guys right now, but there's nothing wrong with turning into bad guys and cheating the system here. Like yeah. this would be great, but they didn't. Well, and here's the deal. I don't think it necessarily would have been cheating the system if a team happens to uh, use the rules, because that was the other part of the rule that's important is uh, you didn't have to wait till everyone was in the ring to win, which that's it. which is something that separates it from a Royal Rumble. In Royal Rumble, you can't win until everyone's come in. Right? Right. You have to be the last person standing. In this one, in reality, uh, Scorpio Sky and Kazarian could have just set the ring, uh, the the ladder up and just walked to the top and and uh, rock, paper, scissors for the, the win. Um, right. However, them being faces, them being ultra baby faces in some ways, they decided to put on a mask wow. and try to win. Well, um, and I liked how the commentators even mentioned that too. They're like, no, these guys have class, they have respect, they're professionals. So I was like, you know what, cool, I like it. And I enjoyed seeing them actual, actually wrestle, whereas if I would have seen this in WWE, for instance, I wouldn't have believed it. Maybe it depends on the tag team it was, but it just seemed natural. I, I, I considered those two single competitors just going against each other rather than a team. It like worked well for me, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, it, it made a ton of sense. And, uh, you know, storyline-wise, it it was it was good they they put on their their little match for two minutes they fought both of them are competitors um you know it's it was it was well done uh following up after them and i'm i gotta be honest i don't have my notes open just yet so um uh i'm trying to remember who number two was you could have told me bud i would have brought it up Jesus. Well, I I thought I had it up, and then I looked down, and I didn't have it up. So yeah, uh, that sounded so filthy. Yeah, I thought I, I, had, I, it I, thought I had it up, but then I, yeah. I didn't have it up. I needed to take that uh, Viagra for for it. Um, uh, hashtag still not sponsored. Don't be throwing blue chew here. No, yeah, but it should have been blue chew. Sorry, it should have been blue chew. Um, oh, Kip Sabian. Kip Sabian was number two, number three technically, I guess. Yeah. Um, now prior to the match. 
they uh, did do some vignettes backstage of of people answering Scorpio Sky. Well, it was actually Christopher Daniels answering for SCU um, and uh, Kip Sabian talking with Jimmy Havoc. And I do want to point out, Jimmy Havoc looked awesome in his blood-stained white suit. Um, that is cool. That the is downside look- is Jimmy Havoc is somebody else's bitch. Not okay. I don't think he's somebody else's bitch. I think he's uh, he's got a friend that he he because uh, they've announced that they're a tag team, so they're partners. Um, and and he's gonna help in any way that he can. Um, Jimmy Havoc also has been one of those people that, it, as far as I'm concerned, in AEW does not have to be chasing a title, right? Um. Uh, because because he's the agent of chaos sort of a thing. He can be helping someone else chase a title, but he's he's the wild card. But that was the fun thing for me is, you know, in this this uh, promo backstage, Kip Sabian's like, a lot of people are asking us if Jimmy Havoc's going to get involved in the match, and I'm not going to tell you. That'd be telling. Um, and of course, Jimmy Havoc gets involved in the match right away. No hesitation, no... No, oh, whatever, because there's no disqualifications in a ladder match. So not why the heck not? <laughs> yep. Right. Yeah, and I think we've even talked about this in previous ladder matches in WWE, that when something says it's it's a no DQ match, then the heels should be cheating from the beginning because they know they can't be disqualif- disqualified for it. And that's even, exactly what this would not going to cheat, you know? <laughs> so... So that's what happened is as Kip Sabian uh, was entering with Penelope Ford there with him, Jimmy Havoc jumped in from the other side of the ring, grabbed a ladder and uh, took it after Kazarian and Scorpio Sky. Um, So that was fun right there. Um, Oh, is that what that was? Yeah, tons of fun. All sorts of fun. Darby Allen was next um, and he came in like a house on fire and immediately did crazy ass stuff. Um, the, 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 and I know it's later in the night, but the skateboard through the ladder. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not that much later. It was pretty early that he hurt himself. So, yeah, I really uh, thought when I thought he had this, I really did. There, there were a lot of moments for him that he almost had it. But that thing, he comes up. In fact, yeah, it's it's not much later because I think it was one of the. It was before the next entrance came in. Um, he does a a drop in onto his skateboard. Down, it's supposed to be I think Kazarian on uh, laying on the ladder or against the ladder, but Kazarian rolls out of the way, so he just goes skateboard down straight through the ladder and then rolls on and he's clutching his leg. Uh, when watching the spot, there was no part in the spot where his leg got caught or anything, so it was entirely a kayfabe injury. Um, and and later on, it, it just proves seems a weird to me though, like why he even did that spot because I'm like he's not even gonna hit him. Because when he was going and jumping, like, uh, who is it? Sabian wasn't even on the the ladder. He, he was, was like on the side already. Yeah, he was he was leaning with his head down on the ladder. So theoretically, the skateboard would have hit him in the back of the head. Uh, um, but it made him super easy to move. But that's that's beside the point. It's more about Darby Allen does whatever the hell Darby Allen wants to. Yes, he doesn't yes. think about the consequences of it. He just does things. That's his whole character. Yeah. So the next, the next person in, of course, was probably, in my opinion, the highlight of this entire match. And I know some people are going to fight against this uh, uh, because, you know, so many other things happened. Darby Allen was awesome. But Orange Cassidy coming in, 
um, and wasting almost half of his one or his two minute head start sort of a thing uh, by you could have just ran it in one it would have been great yeah but instead he meandered in they meandered over to the announce desk to ask what are the rules again how how do I win what what it is and and they're like we've told you a hundred times you have to set the ladder up and climb it to the top and grab the chip it's like I have to set the ladder up and then he meanders all the way into the uh, thing and of course like I say two minutes in between entries it's almost a minute in before he even gets to the ring right and then he's in the ring and he just kind of stands there and he looks up at the chip and he kind of reaches up like he's trying to grab it and he of course he's nowhere close to it because it needs the ladder to get to it and then he like pulls the ladder over and stands on the ladder laying on its side nope that doesn't get him closer and then he spends like the rest of that trying to figure out how to set up a ladder (laughs) but like I just okay and I get that the whole thing is he's lazy okay and I get that he's a lazy guy he wants to put zero effort and everything that's cool that's your gimmick but how do you not know how to set up a ladder though technically I I don't know I could probably have pointed to about four or five people I've worked with at my previous jobs that would not have known how to set up a ladder. Mm. Really? And and I'm pretty sure D.A. Fabe knows at least Mm. one or two of them that I'm thinking of. Um, So... So when it comes to act, I want I want to say names so badly. That's, that's not a thing, really. There there are some people now. Now the people that I've known haven't known uh, or wouldn't know because they're dumb as a bag of rocks, you know. But but, um, but that's what I mean, though. The whole thing with with uh, Orange here is that he's just lazy. It's not that he's stupid. Well, he's so- lazy. So you can think about it this way. He's trying to figure out what's the minimal amount of effort he needed to put into setting that ladder up that it would get it to where he needed it. Um, Which, in the end, he actually figured out the minimal amount of effort was let somebody else set up the ladder for you. Right, that I enjoyed. But I didn't enjoy him putting it down and then raising it up like that. Like, when it was down and he raised up one of the arms or whatever, the one of the legs of the ladders to, he's like, oh, maybe I could climb. Like, what? Like, no. Like, and I just didn't like that, but I enjoyed the entertainment. I it made the- perfect sense to me, but, but it then led to, he's still trying to figure out the ladder when uh, the next entrance, Colt Cabana comes in. And everyone knows Colt Cabana is a super nice guy, but everyone also knows Colt Cabana is going to try to win the match. And so he he pretends like he's going to help Orange Cassidy and then chucks him out of the ring. Um, The match continues. Joey Janela is number seven. Uh, Joey Janela, I kind of wish he would have been a little earlier. He, of course, was the replacement to Ray Phoenix, who um, is fortunately not seriously injured, but apparently was injured enough that they pulled him from the match. So... Uh, but Joey Janela is a master of crazy shit with ladders, and he showed it off here. He did some insane stuff uh, with ladders through this match, you know? Damn, I don't really remember Joey Janela doing crazy stuff. I might have to remember. Oh, yeah, he did some cool stuff. Yeah. He, also, the hard part he also is he was... didn't did feature him, like, like you just said. Yeah, he was, he was so late in the entries, and and then stuff that happened afterwards kind of overshadowed. Uh, okay. right. I, think, I think if they'd had him be earlier though, it would have devalued Darby's stuff. So I, yeah. I can't 
I can't dog on it. Well, um, and the next was the one I got excited about, though. Well, yeah, that's the deal. It's, it's kind of one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you bring them in much earlier, then uh, someone else potentially suffers. Like, if Joey Janela was running around doing crazy stuff, Orange Cassidy couldn't have done his stuff, you know? It's Um And all that. Uh, but the next entrance, like you were saying, Luchasaurus comes in. And, and this was nice to, to have a big guy, because Luchasaurus was by far the biggest guy in the ring. Um, at least until number nine. Yeah. Um, which wasn't and that much time. still not the very end, which is when you get to really... Really. By the way, which I'm very glad because I don't know if they announced this prior who the mystery person was going to be like oh. in terms of no, 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 not that they announced who it was, but on commentating, they actually announced that it was going to be someone who was making his debut. Yeah. So right then and there, I was like, oh, yes. So we're definitely getting someone new. I was like, all right, spot on. <laughs> so then yeah. I was just automatically excited. If they had announced <laughs> who it before. was beforehand, you and I would not have heard the end of it from Smarks. <laughs> I, I was... I was probably 80% certain uh, who it was going to be going into this, but but not 100% certain. Um, but so, yeah, number nine. Okay, Luchasaurus comes in, does Luchasaurus stuff, chokes, slams Kazarian uh, onto the ladder in the corner, uh, all sorts of stuff. Anyways, uh, but then number nine. And by this point, of course, we're, we're all well, like, well, now... Where- did, did he have the spot with uh, Orange Cassidy earlier before number nine came in? Um, it's not in my notes, so I'm not sure. Uh, that spot with Orange Cassidy was hilarious. That was fantastic watching them go back and forth the choke slam prep, and then yeah. and then uh, oh, uh, that was after that was after that was uh, yeah, keep yeah. going. That was after yeah. that was when it was after because uh, because yep, I I have it on my notes a little bit later, so I know what you're talking about now. Um, no, so so he comes in, he does a bunch of stuff, but then because he was number eight, two minutes later, number nine uh, gets announced. At this point, everyone is on the outside of the ring. Except for Darby Allen. Darby Allen is in the ring setting it up for setting up the ladder to make it the climb. And uh, the countdown gets done, and a new entrance music that we haven't heard yet before hits announcing Brian Cage. Uh, the machine Brian Cage is officially in AEW. Now, apparently, he signed back in January, but he was injured. Um, but it was one of those things Tony Khan's like, I want him. I will pay him to rehab this injury. Uh, uh, so good right. guy Tony Khan here paid Brian Cage for four months to rehab an injury without ever having him wrestle for the company. Um, Brian Cage walks out, and this was, I, I've watched this gif like a dozen times. Uh, so first of all, Taz walks out first because Taz is managing Brian Cage, I guess. Um, it, play, it plays into the storyline where Taz kept offering Darby Allen advice and Darby Allen kept giving him the cold shoulder and eventually yelled at him and said, I don't need your help, old man, or something like that, right? To, to be fair, Taz was being an ass, okay? Mm-hmm. But, but so then Taz went out and got Brian Cage. Um, but so Taz walks out and then behind him, Brian Cage comes walking out carrying a ladder and he tears the ladder in half and just throws it. It's, it's just so awesome. Just He just comes out and goes, <laughs> um, okay, I guess you didn't need that ladder. 
<laughs> so, uh, you might be tall, but you're not that tall, bud. Yeah. Was it a fun size ladder though, or it was like a legit ladder? Um, it, it wasn't like a full ten foot ladder, but it was probably a six foot ladder. I'm sure it was one hundred percent gimmicked and fake. It was probably made out of balsa wood or something like that. But it was just fun to watch him. I actually tweeted at him earlier today because I saw some ladders uh, on a Facebook marketplace in the area, and I said, "Hey, you know, if you need to get some reps in, uh, get your swole on. There's some ladders that could use destroying here." Haven't heard back from him yet, so. Uh, uh, but... He's probably good, but the rest of social media does just like and uh, never respond back. Yep. Pretty much, probably. Mm-hmm. But anyways, so Brian Cage comes out, uh, first of all, takes out Darby Allen, um, and then takes out a bunch of other people. He uh, is just a house of fire, right? Taking people out so much that they all kind of uh, team up to take him out and then bury him beside the ring under chairs and the big fake poker chips and all yep, of that yep. stuff um, on top of him. And and so they basically do the Braun Strowman bury him under stuff thing, right? Um, well, and also, by the way, you didn't mention the F10 that he originally did, uh, yeah. which was right at the beginning, which I thought was freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah, his F10 is amazing. Playoff Brock, F5, F10, I loved it. But so... Um, that then led to uh, the moment that um, DFA was talking about, where uh, Orange Cassidy got into the ring and was climbing up to try to grab the casino chip, and uh, Jimmy Havoc interfered. Best friends ran in to help uh, Cassidy, and then this is when Marco Stunt showed up with a tiny, tiny ladder. Fun size and ladder. So, yeah. So, so there was a, a a moment where Orange Cassidy looked like he was going to try to choke slam Luchasaurus, and uh, of course he wasn't going to choke slam slam Luchasaurus. It just wasn't going to happen. Um, <laughs> and and he tried, and and no, uh, and so it looks like he's going to just give up and walk away. And he turns around, and there's Marco Stunt standing on this tiny ladder, and Marco Stunt with the assist from Luchasaurus choke slams. Orange Cassidy. <laughs> it was awesome. So, uh, it it then ended up Orange Cassidy then eats a Joey Janela DVD Death Valley Driver off the apron through the chips at ringside that are on top of Brian Cage. So, so he just gets effed again, right? Um, and that ends up waking up Brian Cage. That's a horrible decision. Yeah. But uh, Scorpio Sky and Kazarian are up at the top of the ladder and they're trying to fight. Luchasaurus pushes them off. Cage then gets up and gets back into the the ring and has a face-to-face with Luchasaurus. Power bombs Luchasaurus into the ladder in the corner. uh, Takes out uh, Darby Allen um, by stacking him up on top of a ladder then gorilla pressing the ladder and just hucking him yeet out of the ring. Um, God, that, yeah, that was bad. dangerous. <laughs> and so then Cage starts to climb the ladder. Uh, and Orange Cassidy climbs on his back. See, I thought that was before he was through the chip. No, 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 no. That was after. Okay. And and so there's this whole and this was one of the moments that I was like, oh, 
oh, uh, uh, Cornette's going to have an aneurysm if this happens, because I would have absolutely loved it if the ending had been Orange Cassidy got the chip just by being on Brian Cage's shoulder. <laughs> just by, like, yeah, I'm going to let the big guy do all of it. at one time. Yeah. I'm just going to let the Actually, big guy the do all of it. person for that would have been Darby yeah. Allen. Well, I mean, at the same time, that wouldn't have made much sense, uh, too. Why would Cage just have let him win at the same... Because he knew he was on his back and trying to get the chip, right? So why Cage would... Cage knock him off, though. He tried, there was a moment where he was trying to get him off, and he couldn't get him off of him. Yeah. I mean, I mean, oh, it all could okay. have simply come down to Cage not understanding how long Orange Cassidy's arms were. Um, or, if they timed it different, Cage being higher up on the ladder when Orange Cassidy comes running up and jumps on his back and then just climbs up and his back Smart. Yeah. That I would have anyways, uh, they end up getting him uh, getting him off and uh, <laughs> in the end <laughs> sorry. In the end Brian Cage climbs the ladder everyone else is effed on the side of the ring uh, Brian Cage climbs the ladder and takes down the chip and he will have a match they announce later at Fighter Fest next month um it was apparently like supposed to. They were the going AEW to champion, who we don't know yet. Yeah, against whoever is the winner uh, of the AEW championship match later on tonight, um, or whoever still. I mean, there could be another title match before that. But the, yeah. we they did announce that Fighter Fest was originally going to be in London. It was going to be their European debut, but with um, all of the travel restrictions now, Fighter Fest will very likely take place at the exact same place that Double or Nothing just took place, Daily Center. Um, in Jacksonville, Florida. So, but still, just a crazy match. Um, a huge debut. Uh, you know, I guarantee you that WWE wished they could have gotten, uh, oh, Brian Cage. And then the guy's, the guy is such a, be- yeah, such um, a beast. And then when, also, when he was facing Luchasaurus and he gave Luchasaurus that powerbomb, yeah, like nothing, How- no problem. I was yeah. like, oh my God, this guy's a monster. <laughs> How many people have you seen powerbomb Luchasaurus? Not Zero. very many. <laughs> um, Luchasaurus is, I mean, he was the big guy in the ring. He's hes billed as this huge guy. And then Brian Cage just comes in and he, is like, yeet. He was about the same si- height as Brian Cage, but boy, Luchasaurus was scrawny next to Brian Cage. From yeah. a muscular standpoint, it's hard, to, it's hard to stand up against Brian Cage. There are there are professional bodybuilders that look at Brian Cage and go, wow. Oh. God, I wish I looked like that. <laughs> I don't. That's a bit too much muscle, though. Like, I feel like... No, I, meant, I meant there's wrestlers that say that. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the deal. is If um, if half of these wrestlers that are up-and-comers in any of the, the fields, if any of them had half as much muscles as Brian Cage, can you imagine how quickly they'd be to the top of the card? Like... I love Sammy Guevara, right? Can you imagine if Sammy Guevara was 30% more muscular, how how much quicker he'd be heading up any card? Because at that point, you'd start looking immediately like a contender, right? Um, right. It's the, it's the same thing with Jungle Boy. Now, Jungle Boy is in super great shape. I am not trying to, and Sammy Guevara is in great shape. I'm not trying to say they're not. This is a muscle mass sort of a thing. And, um, you know, uh, there was a point in Eddie Guerrero's career where um, he was constantly seen as just a cruiserweight because he was not very muscular. And, and, and back then that mattered. Yeah, back then it really mattered. 
Um, but it still does. Can, I mean, can you imagine if Tazawa was 20% more muscular, like, built? Stacked. You know? Just I stacked. already love the guy as is. I would love him yeah. even more. Just He's a phenomenal wrestler. It, it, so much of this is, it, like I say, it's, it's a lot about appearance. And, and so much of it is uh, Vince McMahon looking at Tozawa now. Uh, he's a cruiserweight guy. He's one of those little guys. Uh, add 20% more muscle mass on him. Suddenly, he could be a contender. He could be our European champion. That's the difference right there. It's uh, it's the difference between Tozawa and Buddy Murphy, right? Buddy oh. Murphy seen as a star in the making. Tozawa is seen as just another one of those cruiserweight guys. Right. But anyways, we will move on because talking about uh, people who could use some more muscle and people who couldn't, um, and I'll let you decide which one I'm referring to. MJF versus Jungle Boy. <laughs> um, because I'm not going to get in the middle of that particular fight. They're both stacked compared to me, so whatever. Um, and he's better than you, and you know it, so there's no point. Yeah. Um, now, in the grand scheme of things, this match very likely was the best technical match of the night. Yeah. And you know uh, what? I was okay. shocked. I think this might have been MJF's best match that I've seen him do in AEW. This match may have been the best match of the night if you don't have the other story. I mean, ah, god dang. When this match is not the best match of the night and it won't be later, it, it well, tells something about how good this night was because this was a great match. Yes. That's that's why I made sure to use the word technical match in it. Yeah. Because there there is there is a, a spectacle later on in the night that Well, there's also a, the, the the world championship. I mean, that match. This isn't even the best one-on-one match of the night. Yeah. Um so. yeah. But wow. this this one here it showed off Jungle Boy uh for the star that he is. Um, I don't think anyone coming away from this match doesn't see Jungle Boy as a potential contender down the road. Uh, you know, doesn't see this and go, wow, that's definitely why they signed him. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, For sure. I, I feel bad that he... That, that, and, and again, I don't like to, to bring up the pain in the kid's life, but I feel bad that he is Luke Perry's son because I feel like that cut him back some. On, on people willing people's willingness to sign him. Yeah. Well, Why? and well, I don't know if it necessarily hurt people's willingness to sign him, but I saw the posts um, after they announced that he'd been signed. People saying, "Oh, he just got signed because his dad was famous." Oh, yeah. and and it's the reason he went by Jungle Boy in the Indies and not Jack Perry, right? Because he wanted to become uh, uh, successful as a wrestler based on his merits, not his dad's merits. Um, right, and it's it's part of why, in a way, it bugs me that Jim Ross always calls him Jungle Jack Perry, because you know it it, me that they're constantly talking about Luke Perry. I mean, don't get me wrong, Luke Perry was a was a piece of especially our history. The two older guys on this podcast, um, even if you did, I know nine hundred two one zero. Calm down. No, I'm not saying you don't. I'm just saying like. You couldn't live in the 90s. Even if you didn't like the show, you couldn't live in the 90s without No, that's not For sure. Um, <laughs> but, but this match here should have at least silenced any of those critics by showing, hey, look at what he can do. I mean, these guys put on an absolute clinic. They There was so much psychology in this, of course. 
MJF's finisher is a, a modified Fujiwara armbar. Um, so he was attacking Jungle Boy's arm to weaken it up to make it for that. Uh, Jungle Boy, of course, being a high flyer, you know, was trying to do that. There, it, it was, it was such a great, great match. I, it's just almost impossible for me to put into words how awesome this match was overall. It was really good storytelling. That's for sure. Super Absolutely. great storytelling. Yo, there were there were times when Jungle Boy tried to lock in a crossface, but he couldn't he couldn't put it in long enough or keep it locked in because his arm was hurting. Uh, there, you know, in the end, uh, MJF was able to get pin after a flurry of pin reversals and all this stuff was, was able to trap Jungle Boy's arm in and pin him to get the win. Um, so MJF gets the win and uh, continues to be better than us and we know it. Yep. <laughs> God, kid is so hateable. It's not even funny. <laughs> I, I I almost would say I have never seen anyone with as punchable of a face as his. Oh, uh, <laughs> like, like he, I I love how hateable he is, but I really like. Yeah, I want to punch him. Yeah, wow. it's it was, it was such a great match. Such a great, you know, it de- deserves it deserves an A rating. Uh, I don't know, you know, if, if Meltzer's ratings are out yet. They probably don't come out to like Wednesday. Um, this match here, if he doesn't give it darn close to five stars, I'm gonna be surprised. Uh, no, he's definitely he's definitely four or five, um, four and a half star and above matches. Mm-hmm. I say his I say his four point seventy five rating that he likes to do as well. So he's definitely yeah he's gonna rate this one high. He might even rate this the match of the night. Mm-hmm. And like I say, from a technical standpoint, it might legitimately be the match of the night. Yeah. Um, but but we're not we're only like halfway done with the night right. you know, at this point. So. Um, moving on, next match is the culmination of the TNT Championship Tournament. Lance Archer Jeez, versus this was a good Kobe. match, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a very, very good match with a lot of lot of uh, storytelling going on in it. Of course, you know, um, this is for the TNT Championship. It started with Mike Tyson coming out and officially unveiling the championship, although they uh, mistakenly had tweeted out uh, the promotional photo of him holding the championship a little earlier in the night, so we had already got a chance to see it. They did make sure to they did make sure to announce though um, uh, on commentary. Tony Schiavone uh, cut in to talk about it, that due to uh, COVID nineteen, the uh, belt makers were not one hundred percent finished with the belt. There was still some gold plating and some other. Uh, relief engraving that needed to be done on it. Um, so it's not the final product right now. And and it kind of shows. And it's been getting right. a lot of flack online. Um, a lot of people say it looks really plain. Some people are comparing it to the 24-7 championship, which I think is extremely <laughs> unfair. Um, right. But it is a polarizing. First of all, it's got a red strap, which is polarizing in and of itself. Um, a lot of people are purists and prefer the the black strap um or at least a a leather strap sort of look to it i i actually kind of dig overall the look of of the belt um i think i even kind of did a quick mock-up earlier today 
where I just took the the promotional photo that they did and I just upped the contrast a ton. You know what I mean? Um, because I think the biggest problem I have with it right now is it looks really flat. And when you up the contrast, you give it some more uh, uh, differentiation. Uh, it looks deeper. It looks all of this. But you can see when you look at this that there's, there's a whole lot of space that probably has a bunch of engravings supposed to go on it. And of course, right now it's just all silver because there's no gold plating, no jewels on it. Um, I, I dig it. I gotta be honest. I, I see where they're going with it and I dig it. Um, it's not a finished product right now. And so I'm, I'm willing to wait until we see what the final product is. But uh, I wanna point out that it's very, very clear to me uh, that their influence on this particular belt was the NWA television championship belt from back in the day. Uh, oh, okay. If, if you haven't seen it, uh, 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 look it up. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to send it to you guys right now because I can. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it's, it's, it's very obvious because the NWA championship belt had a red strap had a similar design, although still very different. But you, oh, okay. you, you just look at them, and, and it's just pretty easy for me to tell. And of course, knowing that uh, Tony Khan and Cody are both big into the history of not just NWA because of uh, Dusty Rhodes' uh, time with it, but just wrestling in general. They like to pay, play homage in lots of ways. Like even the leather tooling around the outside of the belt is similar to the leather tooling around the outside on the NWA television belt. Um, so many of the little things I see in it, I can tell they're paying homage to it. There is a really cool feature on the new belt though that um, has come out. There's a, a, a building on the side plates, right? It looks kind of like an old plantation. Um, but it's not a plantation. It's actually an office building. Um, that is actually the old uh, Techland Park um, production studio from Turner Television, when Ted Turner first launched Turner Television, right? Oh, wow. That is okay. where That's CNN badass. got its start. That's where TNT got its start, and TBS all started out in that building. Um, oh, snap. And I, and I think that's such a cool little thing to put on this belt called the TNT title, right? Um, a lot of people don't like the fact that TNT is in big, bold black letters right on the middle of the name, the main plate. Um, I get it, but they announced a month ago that it was the TNT championship. What did you think was going to be on it, right? <laughs> exactly. I'll admit that I'm a little disappointed that it was decided on pay-per-view that's where i'm at yeah i mean i can i can sort of get that um because it is the tnt but i i also want to point out that they very specifically have never called it the television championship it's it's been the tnt championship named after the network that so graciously gave them their start but but they didn't say it was a tv title so i get i get it I also get that you want to have the first crowning of it at a big event, and your pay-per-views typically are your biggest events. So, yeah. Well, and theoretically, TNT does own Bleacher Report, so. Mm -hmm. So, I also would like to point out the that the Stardom World Championship is also a red strap, and a certain other little promotion you might have heard of, um, World Wrestling Entertainment. 
uh, one of their biggest that belts act. has has a red stripe, red exactly. strap to it. So that's what I was thinking when I'm like, oh, it's the raw belt. <laughs> yeah. Can, can can you find that stra- uh, that title? I think I think if I Google it, I can find it. Um, it's I think I think currently there's there's some nobody who holds it. I don't know. You know, some little known wrestler that no one cares about. Yeah, name Brown is what it says. Maybe. I don't know. Well, no, that one's blue. So no, okay. yeah, no, that that one's Brown blue. Guy. It's the other one. Anyway, back to the match, though. This is going to be a four-hour-long episode, by the way. Uh, so <laughs> buckle up, listeners, because this episode is going to be as long as the pay-per-view because we're going to keep talking. Um, Cody versus Lance Archer. Of course, Lance Archer accompanied to the ring by Jake the Snake. Cody accompanied to the ring by Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson's first appearance in Cody's corner in a while um however he did of course appear on dynamite in the contract signing segment which really wasn't contract signing they just they just two old people talked to each other but um yeah but it was it was a good this was a great match too i i think in the grand scheme of things the jungle boy mjf match was a better technical match. This one, however, might have told a story a little bit better. However, there was kind of one one moment that I think didn't come through as well as I think they planned. And we'll get to that. It plays heavily into the ending. So um, through this match, uh, there were times where like Cody hit the DDT on Lance Archer in front of Jake the Snake. Uh, Lance Archer then shortly thereafter hit the spine buster on Cody in front of Arn Anderson. Right. Of course, those <laughs> were their respective uh, finishing moves back in the day. So a um, little bit of that yeah. there. I'm going to go ahead and say we're going to be demonetized because right now I'm going to say Lance Archer beat the fuck out of Cody in this match. He did. He did. This, <laughs> this was this was a match about power versus willpower, really. Um, and and some of it, uh, power versus wiliness. Um, uh, the the big big thing, it's the controversial thing, really, uh, that kind of happens. And and there's a little glitch in it. I'm I understand when the critics don't like this particular part of it. So Lance Archer does his uh, his walking the ropes, his old school earlier in the match where he walks to the mid and then he does the moonsault off of it to Cody. He does it again, but instead of just walking to the middle, he walks all the way down one side, all the way down the other side, and he's in a corner. At this point, for some reason or other, no reason that I can really identify, but Jake the Snake gets up on the on the apron and starts talking to the ref. So the ref's distracted. It makes no sense to me why Jake the Snake got up, right? And that's the problem a lot of people Other have. than that Jake the Snake was probably setting it up so Lance Archer could do a cheat of some type. Theoretically. And if that was the goal... Plays it to the next part. If that was the goal, then they should have showed that off a little bit more and given a little bit more time for Lance Archer to potentially cheat. Or at sure. least start a cheat thing. Because it didn't come off like that. But at right, that exactly. point, when the referee is distracted, Arn Anderson gets up and knocks uh, Lance archer's leg out from under him so that he crotches himself in the corner um so at that point it's like hey that's a normal sort of thing that happens in a wrestling match the referee gets distracted uh and someone interferes i I don't have a huge problem with it except for they needed to to make it more clear why jake was 
intervening at that point. Here's yeah. where the issue kind of comes, and and I get why people uh, criticize it. Um, the, another referee runs out from the back and and calls the referee over and says, "No, I saw I saw Arn Anderson." go hit him and he came down and all this stuff and then Bryce Rensburg the referee says is that what happened and then they look to Mike Tyson sitting on the outside like he's got the final say in this uh, yeah. um, and, and Mike Tyson says yeah kick him out so Arn Anderson gets ejected and then Jake the Snake gets ejected too because reason I guess um, and because and if you're going to get rid of one coach you got to get rid of both I, I guess I get it the, the thing the that I get the, I get the argument is when was the last time you saw a referee from the outside come in and narc on yeah. uh, interference that happened in the ring? It you know never happened. You know what, though? But I feel like they want to try and start doing that because not any federation really does that now. And I really liked that moment. I just didn't like the Mike Tyson well, so so here's what you do. Here's how you solve this problem, is you make it part of the rule set. You say, just so you know, in every match, there is a, a replay, uh, replay referee in the back watching the tape to help make sure that the referee on the inside doesn't miss something, right? Can't change the count. Can't change the end of the match. Can only help with... Can't even call for a disqualification. Can just call for ejections. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, just for lack of a better term, the the replay ref, uh, in in football, replays have to be requested in some way most of the time. Certain plays are automatic replays, and certain plays, someone on the sideline has to say, "I want you to to check that replay." So that's what you do with this: is you say, "Listen, the referee inside the ring can call." For advice from the replay official, you know what well, I mean. And they did do replay later on too. Remember in the in the um, melee match, um, what's her name goes back into a tent and checks mm-hmm. her count yep. on Jericho. So, so yeah, but that that's a whole different thing. With that's up, a different up, thing, and that's more just uh, comedy. Playing off the football field comedy. I thing. understand, but 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 we'll get to that. In the end, it, it, it's a simple twist. If they want to have the concept, which I'm I'm all for it. I've always thought in this day and age, it makes absolutely no sense that uh, a professional league like WWE or, or Impact Wrestling or AEW wouldn't have someone watching the overall picture so that the one referee in the ring wasn't all by himself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, it also makes for somebody to more quickly come out if there's somebody knocked out. Exactly. There's a rest bump. Yeah. Um, and and I'm sure the purists would say that negates the idea of a ref bump, which hurts the heel character. And you say, no, because here's the deal. You have a ref bump, right? An accidental, air quotes, accidental ref bump. Then you've got a certain period of time when that re- replay official has to leave their position in the back and make it to the ring when there's no one watching the ring at all. That's it. So there's or like no even if they happen. are watching the ring, they can't make a call on it until they're inside the ropes. Well, but my that point works. is, my my point is, they leave their replay booth. They can't watch the TV while they're running to the ramp. So there's a 30 second period there where there's no one watching the replay booth, right? 
and no one in the vicinity of the ring to see what's going on. So, so you can do these ref bumps, these accidental ref bumps, where then they know they've got a countdown where they can just beat the tar out of somebody, pull out the brass knucks, hit them with that, and then throw them away. And there's nobody watching watching it, you know? So it, it, there's storylines that they can use for it. I just, I get why people didn't like uh, the idea of just a referee comes out from the back uh, and says, hey, this happened. Because that makes it hard to explain how cheating ever happens in a match. Um, yeah, exactly. That being said, I get where the storyline is going. Because if you watch it, watch this match again uh, after I tell you this this particular part, and you'll, you'll see what's going on here. So Arn Anderson gets ejected. Jake the Snake gets ejected. At that moment, the tide turns in favor of Cody. Lance Archer starts to look lost and confused because he doesn't have a coach in his corner barking orders at him, right? Well, we also had the enforcer, um, the enforcer uh, Tyson moment when Jake came out with Damian. That that comes later. I'll get to that. So, but this starts, starts here. Lance Archer now, without a coach to help him, is is lost. He's still a good wrestler. He's still got, but but his strategy now is is hurt because he no longer has someone calling the plays, right? Um, which then is what leads to Jake trying to come back out because he knows that Lance needs him out there as if even just emotional support as as a focusing tool to help him that's when like you said mike tyson gets up and and becomes the enforcer and keeps jake from coming back to the ring which then allows cody rhodes to hit two crossroads and pick up the victory so the storyline that they're telling is that cody rhodes uh needs Arn Anderson less than Lance Archer needed Jake Rock, which then can still lead to additional matches down the road with Lance Archer learning to dominate without uh, Jake the Snake. Because um, let's be honest, Jake the Snake's uh, appearances on AEW were probably going to be limited overall, just in general. Right. He's, he's at that age in his life where he's not going to be at every Dynamite. He's not going to be at every pay-per-view. He just Dude, probably that, won't be able to. That Jake the Snake Arn Anderson thing, as legendary and as cool as that was, when they were about to fight, looked god-awful. So, I hope not. I love when Jake talks. Jake is great, but I mean, uh, yeah, just kind of be coach outside of the ring, but don't do confrontations again. <laughs> But so, in a move that I don't think surprised anyone too much, Cody Rhodes is your inaugural TNT champion. Um, Which is okay. Yeah, some people have issue with it. They, they, you know, he starts up a promotion and says it's not going to be like WWE, and then he makes himself a champion. First of all, it's not the champion, right? Um, second of all, Vince McMahon... Uh, has made himself champion um but cody rhodes isn't presented as an authority figure yes he's an evp but he's not presented on screen as someone who makes any of those major decisions any of those booking decisions all that stuff he's presented on screen as a wrestler um right but on top of it he's he's currently probably your biggest baby face and and what I want to point out is that Double or Nothing in most ways is AEW's WrestleMania. 
else. Yeah. So, so because of that, what happened a few years ago at WrestleMania for for WWE, right? Oh, all the baby faces won because it's the payoff to these months long feuds that you've been building up um, with the heels versus the faces, and this is the payoff, right? Um, right. For AEW, when I say months long, I legitimately mean it because this was their first pay per view since Revolution in February, yeah. right? Correct. So, so this was the payoff to all of the feuds they've been building up since late February. This is when you have the the faces win. Cody Rhodes is probably your biggest face in in your company right now. Have him win the championship. He doesn't have to hold it forever. I got no problems with it. I'm I'm all for it. He's the biggest baby face you have right now. Put it on him. You know, he'll lose it eventually to someone. You'll have heel TNT champions here soon enough. Let's let us bask in the glory of of uh, the inaugural champion being the biggest baby face. And, you know, I just don't see why everyone, or not everyone, I just feel like it's just some people who just want to nitpick on everything. But the guy deserves it. And I don't even make, I don't even think it feels like, a, oh, well, they're trying to be like, you know, Vince McMahon had the title for so long. and duh, duh, duh. You know what I mean? Like, the guy deserves it. It's that underdog story. He was in that federation, treated like nobody. He he hustled hard, created his own federation, and, you know, put in the work. We see his, his guy's wrestling, too. It's not like he's just wrestling off and on. He's pulling a Shane McMahon or something. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. People just like to make a... Uh, I can't even think of a cliche line right now. But people just like well, to make a mistake out of nothing. That's what I wanted to use. I was going to mess it up, though, so I just didn't want to do it. <laughs> but, yeah, great. I, I enjoyed it. I mean, and honestly, I... Lance Archer doesn't need a belt really yet. Uh, he's just he's played off as that monster. So and he's a heel and it works. And like you mentioned, it's their WrestleMania almost. And I don't know. I, I don't see it being wrong for many people. Him winning. Awesome. Biggest baby face of the company. It works. People just got to stop bitching. Agreed. Agreed. And that's the deals. He's not the biggest baby face in the company, but he's close. Okay, yeah. who who would you say is the number one baby face in the company? Right now, Darby Allen. See, I I would say he's really, really popular, but I don't I don't think in the grand scheme of things he's the biggest baby face. I think he's super popular, but I think he's still so green in lots of ways. I don't think he's as over, and I think uh merch sales will tell the same thing, right? Um but anyways, that's that's arguing over nitpicking, you know. Um, in the eyes of AEW, Cody is their biggest baby face. I also suspect that this is part of a slow heel turn for Cody. Um, because he's he's played the heel before. He's been a great heel well, before. Very well. Uh, the probably, in my opinion, the best way to turn a person heel, I've, I think I've talked about it before, is to have them be a champion and have that go to their head. Um, right. Which this builds up to, and this is where Darby Allen plays into it, the the rubber match between Darby Allen and Cody uh, being for a belt down the road, being for the TNT championship, which uh, I think is, like, I think right now, Darby Allen is a huge baby face, but I don't think he's ready to be the world champion. But he is pretty darn close to being ready to be the TNT champion. Mm. So you have Cody now 
let the the glory of being the inaugural TNT champion go to his head uh, and and complete a little bit of a heel turn with him. Maybe have him eventually turn on the elite, you know. They do a battle later tonight without him. Um, you know, that could lead to, to seeds of dissension there. The whole storyline they told for years in uh, New Japan was that Cody was trying to usurp the leadership of Bullet Club from Kenny Omega. That storyline right. story can come right back with with Cody, you know, letting his newfound glory again go to his head. This is the perfect setup. You could for also that have Kenny try to usurp leadership from Cody. Yeah, exactly. But my point still being, this is the perfect setup for it, which yeah, could it then is. lead to uh, the big moment at All Out in a few in six months um where darby allen finally challenges cody Rhodes. well it's actually september 5th but you know okay so what's that four months months. four four months i went to school in nebraska i don't know how to count that high all right fine i'll give you that one jeez you canadians and your fancy counting to 12 (laughs) don't actually don't you know yeah straight up (laughs) <laughs> oh jeez. Oh. Anyways, moving on. Uh the next match in in my opinion probably was the second worst match of the night. And I say second worst um of, because there's a specific match that was the worst of the night, but it was mostly a comedy match, so we'll get to that in just a bit. This one I think was the second worst of the night, uh partially because I think it was thrown together really, really fast. And that's Chris Statlander versus Penelope Ford. Of course, this was supposed to be Chris Statlander versus Britt Baker. Uh, And Britt Baker got injured on Dynamite, unfortunately. The reports originally were saying up to six months, but now they're saying like six to eight weeks, which is a lot shorter. Um, Especially in AEW timeline. Yeah. I mean, that's that's enough that um, she'll potentially be back before the next paper. Well, that's it. And there, she's going to mention when she's coming back at non-dynamite. So, mm-hmm. uh, but so yeah. in this one, Penelope okay, Ford. So took real spot. quick, before we get into the match, the doctor segment where he was complaining about Britt Baker. And then he's like, ah, but she's, she's a trooper and she'll be back. Well, she'll tell you when I'll let her tell you when she will, she'll be back. But he was also complaining about how much of a pain in the butt she is. Yeah. Like I, I didn't understand. You're, you're, it, it was like watching Dr. Fauci, it really was. Like, one second you're wearing masks, next second you're not wearing masks, next second you're wearing no, masks no. again. No, no, no. So... I took it as she wanted to say when she's coming back. Because I took it as he didn't want to say. He's like, I'll let her tell you on Wednesday. Meaning, like, I don't know. I took it as she's too well, high. Right before that, he just said something about her. He's like, she's a trooper. She'll be back sooner than we thought. Is this the latter statement? The first statement is the problem with this injury really is not it's not the injury. It's the person it's who's injured. Ugh. You know, I like and, well, I, I think I, I just I think some of that can be explained by having someone who's not an actor have to act. That's um, true. <laughs> you know, when, when you give a, a legitimate physician and say, hey, I need you to pretend to be a doctor, um, uh, but I am a doctor. Yeah, but I need you to talk like, 
like you're pretending to be a doctor on TV. And I oh, think that's that probably No, no, no. Nobody will understand it. Just pretend to be a doctor and dumb it down. Okay. <laughs> so, like Dr. Drake Marmore here. <laughs> hey, pretty you know, much. It, Joey would have been, been better. Should have got Joey. It would have been absolutely epic if they would have gotten uh, him. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> and that would have been just great. We're going to check in Matthew with Dr. LeBlanc comes on. He's like, and Matt LeBlanc is like, well, based on my looking at these x-rays, um, she is going to be out. Uh, <laughs> anyway. but so, That would be fantastic. I don't know if they can afford. Well, I know they can afford. I don't know if they want to afford to. Yeah. Well, Matthew. and... And, and well, a lot probably of people might not get that joke um, because some people might just be too young for Friends, unfortunately. Well, here's the other other issue: <laughs> Friends is NBC, yeah. NBC is USA, USA is WWE. They ain't getting the words Doctor Drake Ramore. There's a little bit of that. They could have probably just called him Doctor Drake, uh, and and been Dr. fine. Ramore. But but in the end. So much of it probably just depended on is Matt LeBlanc a fan of AEW or not? Um, if they would have called him and he's like, I don't know what AEW is, and I go, never mind. You know. <laughs> uh, he's the doctor for AU. But anyways, Chris Statlander versus Penelope Ford. Um, and neither of these were bad wrestlers. They didn't do any bad moves. Like, there weren't any botches. This wasn't a bad match, but it was a bad match-up, if you ask me. Um, they just seemed to be working at two different paces, you know? Uh, I feel like I've seen Penelope Ford do better. Like, I'm like, man, I thought she was a good wrestler. Like, I don't know. I, I felt like this shed a really horrible light on Penelope Ford completely. Well, and I think yeah, that's see, the... I thought she was fantastic in this match. That's what oh. I say. I It just, to me, seemed like they were operating at two different paces. And, and that uh, Chris Statlander is a little bit more of a methodical, uh, you know, uh, uh, a Lance Storm sort of a character in some ways and and Penelope Ford is a faster mover a a Kushida you know and not saying that they couldn't put together it just the, and i think so much of it is the fact that they threw together this match in a day you know or two right True. um but it just they just didn't seem to mesh the gears weren't meshing like i would have hoped and and it's sad because we talked before about how AEW's women's division might be the a uh, weak spot in AEW, and uh, this. Well, they they proved our point here. Yeah, this particular match didn't match. help them in any way. However, they do redeem themselves in a bit. So, <laughs> um, uh, but, but like I say, this if this wasn't a bad match. I mean, the moves went off, and uh, you know the the finish was the way that we expected it to be. Um, it was believable. It, you know, it just it just didn't seem to have the fire that I was hoping. The next match is, I think, hands down worst match of the night. And I think you both will agree. Dustin Rhodes versus Sean Spears. Oh, yeah, by far. Um, I was trying to figure out which match it was. I was like, what's next? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, this was the potty break match is what it was. This was the, oh, I've been sitting here for two hours watching this and my beer's going through me. I got to run to the bathroom. Oh, Dustin Rhodes versus Sean Spears? I'll do that now. 
Um, uh, no, but I mean, I was really upset though because I thought I don't know because I've I've enjoyed Dustin Rose's wrestling. Um, you know the matches that he's done, and I thought this match would have been. A, I thought this match was going to be better than uh, Jungle Boy and MJF just because I didn't like MJF's um, matches from prior. But boy, was I wrong. You know. Uh, yeah, I want to be clear that I'm not saying that this didn't have the potential to be a great match. Sean Spears is a phenomenal wrestler. Dustin yeah. Rhodes is a phenomenal wrestler. This match was not phenomenal. No. Nope. Who was on Who was on Sean's underwear? Oh, it was with Tully Blanchard's face. Tully Where Blanchard. the hell was Tully? Probably at home because he didn't want to risk coronavirus. That's my guess. Because that's the weak spot in this was that Tully wasn't there going, listen, man, you don't understand the Rhodes family. You need to stop. You know? Yeah. Well, and, and I think and, and, yeah, and maybe that'll play into the storyline. Maybe yeah. that'll play into the storyline that that Tully comes back and says, listen, you shouldn't have done that stuff. But so the whole storyline with this is, of course, Sean Spears called out uh, Dustin Rhodes on Dynamite this last week in, in a phenomenal segment with the Sean Spears news where he was a fake news an- uh, anchor announcing the retirement of Dustin Rhodes. Um, and so he comes out in, in a suit and like he knows that Dustin isn't going to show up and he's not even bothering to prepare to wrestle. And and it's it's a whole comedy bit where like Dustin's music plays and he looks really scared and then he turns around smiling because he's like, nah, I just... I had him play the music so that you guys would think that he was actually here, but he's not. And then the music hits again, and uh, Brandy comes out. And so Spears is looking at Brandy, and Dustin slides in behind and attacks him from behind. Um, Eventually, Sean is stripped down to his underwear, um, spanked on his bare butt, and revealed that his uh, underwear has a picture of Tully Blanchard on the crotch. And then beat with a final reckoning and and pin, you know. And it was a comedy match. Uh, and I, I get it. I'm not against comedy matches, but these people could have done so much better. It still could have been sure. a comedy match, uh, but had it be an actual match. Um, and like I, I get it. There were some people who were posting on uh, Twitter today, and they're like, left WWE because. He wanted more creative control, and he was tired of just being used as that comedy guy. And now he's on a pay-per-view in his underwear with a guy's face on his crotch. Um, and and I get it, you know. At the same point, and they have a point. Yeah, they have a point. At the same point, in AEW, Sean Spears had a say in this storyline. So yeah. this this was his idea, at least in some way. You know, he might not have came up with all of this. He might, you know, there might have been a. a, a a booker who said, hey, how? why don't we do this? But he had a say in this. And so this is obviously his vision for how... I, I can only hope that they're telling a longer storyline. Like like we said, that Tully eventually comes back and says, what were you doing while I was gone? I, I watched you on TV do all this stupid shit. Um, don't do stupid shit, you know? <laughs> uh, but for, for this pay-per-view, it fell flat. Uh... And, and some of it might be the events that preceded it and the events that come after it made this seem maybe even worse than it was. I'm not saying this was an F match. This wasn't a 1 out of 10 match, but it was maybe a 4 out of 10, you know? It was by far not a great match, you know? I could have dealt without this segment entirely. That's what I mean. That's why it's a 1 out of, one out of 5. 
So, um, worst match. But, yeah, worst match of the night by far. Uh, but Dustin Rhodes gets another win, so he's uh, still on a little bit of a hot streak. Um, we move on to what arguably might be one of the other best matches of the night. I still think, technically speaking, uh, the MJF uh, Jungle Boy was the best. But Hikaru Shida challenges Nyla Rose for the AEW Women's Championship match. In, specifically, a no count out, no DQ match. That's an important thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this this match was fun. Yeah, this was very fun. This this helped redeem the mismatch of the Penelope Ford versus Chris Statlander earlier. Because I don't think anyone could have watched this match and not said, this is a quality women's match. This was a quality match. Oh. It showed off a whole lot of heart from both sides. Uh, there was no botches as far as I can see in this entire Match. Which um, is really hard to do in the no disqualification environment. Mm-hmm. Really hard to do. Of course, the I just um, felt bad for that girl with the laptop because I felt like that girl with the laptop. And was that the librarian, by the way? That was Leva Bates. Yep. I felt like she was gonna get hit so many times, like she was always in a random place, and I'm like, what are you doing though? Like, move really out of the way. <laughs> Well, I, I, I instead give her a ton of credit because her laptop was on the table uh, earlier on that Lance Archer just yeeted out of the road and she caught it, caught the laptop. Uh, that was brilliant. So, but yeah, no, Leva Bates sitting there with the laptop, you know, you'd have thought she would have been like, oh, this laptop, maybe I'm going to get a little bit farther from the action. Who knows? <laughs> um, yeah. But this match, of course, the kendo stick featured heavily into this. The kendo stick that they were telling the storyline over the past few weeks that Hikaru Shida had lost. And uh, then last week, uh, Nyla Rose uh, said, found your kendo stick, bitch, and hit her over the head with it. Um, uh, but so this went back and forth, back and forth about that. Um, it's just a great match. Uh, uh, Hikaru Shida got the tar beat out of her through this. She took a whole lot of nasty kendo sticks to the back and she tweeted out pictures of her back afterwards. She had welts all over it from this. Um, uh, And of course Nyla Rose uh, took some good good beating as well. Uh, Got launched into the giant poker chips at one point. Um, It was just a great match. Yeah, I know. Kudos to uh, Nyla Rose though, because this she made um, Kashida look amazing. Like she's amazing, anyways. But wow, she really put her up that pedestal, and it makes me want to see even more of her matches. Now I'm actually excited to see her wrestle more because she looked phenomenal mm-hmm. in this match, and that's by both women's doing, obviously. <laughs> but amazing. Like I'm excited to see her on Dynamite or on Dark. Uh, probably dynamite next week because this match I just gave me a newfound uh, love for what she does in the ring, if you will. Well, well, yeah, she the hitting that Falcon Arrow off the the second rope on on Nyla Rose was inspiring. It was really yeah. really good. Um, and beating her with a kendo stick and all of that stuff. And in the end, uh, shock of all things, I really did not expect this. I'm a big Hikaru Shida fan and. Uh, just her winning was like jaw-dropping for me. I, Nyla Rose has only held the belt since February, and I did not expect them to take it off her so quickly. Uh, but and but I'm new. Yep. So your new AEW Women's Champion, 
Karushida. Well done. So I loved this match. I, I absolutely adored it. Um, you know, uh, Hikaru Shida had her new ring gear. She's she's debuted new ring gear at the last two pay-per-views um, and then basically never worn it again. So I don't know if that's going to be her thing where she she puts out new ring gear at the pay-per-view. Isn't, isn't she the one that's the big, big uh, HBK fan? Um, homages to him? No, and I'm I'm totally blanking on on the one that is, and it's in the back of my head. Uh oh, see what you've done. Now you're gonna make him. Uh, anyways, no, uh, Google no, something. But Hikaru Shida makes her own uh, ring attire, and um, I don't know. It it it's it's one of those. I watched it, and I was like, I don't know if I'm 100% sold on this ring gear. But at the same point, it could have been just that it was new, and I was expecting her old ring gear. So we'll see if she wears it again. Um, it kind of was like Gladiator meets Asian Schoolgirl, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense at all. But, uh, well, but if it... you know anything about my man crush on Russell Crowe, <laughs> I, uh, I have dreamed often of Russell Crowe being an Asian Schoolgirl. <laughs> Good to know that I'm not the only one. <laughs> there we go. That's Crotastic right there, guys. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, jeez. Oh, okay. girl. So, but anyways, uh, I love this match. Karashita is the new champion. It's, it's going to be fun. Um, this was another example of the WrestleMania let some faces win. Um, it also will be fun to watch Nyla Rose destroy some shit uh, out of anger now <laughs> that she lost it. I mean, can you imagine the tear that they're going to have her go on over the next few weeks? Oh, yeah. Uh, moving on to the co-main event. Um, of course, we still have the Stadium Stampede match coming up. But, but first, we have the AEW World Championship match. John Moxley defending against Brody Lee, even though Brody Lee is the one who has the belt um, to start this match. Well, they did a really good job of building this storyline very quickly. Um, lesson to WWE, I guess. And, and, you know, this is how you build a storyline really quickly. I don't know how else to say that. Mm-hmm. Well, and it made Brody Lee look like a star coming into this. Uh, yeah. John Moxley, of course, is a star. He's been one of AEW's biggest stars since literally day one when he debuted last year at Double or Nothing. Yeah. Uh, but this match, it was a great match. I have no complaints against this match. I don't even hate the finish of it. Some people didn't like the way it ended, but I liked it. It was a physical match. Um, There was multiple finishers hit, including a paradigm shift through the entry ramp. Yeah, that was crazy. I forgot about that. And and that's what I wanted. I I went back and rewatched it like four times. Well, that's the deal is is I want to give them a ton of credit for it because so often when a wrestling company does the power bomb through a segment of the stage, it's a part of the stage that's off to the side that's obviously like no one walk here because right. we've made this special so it breaks apart. This was a power bomb through the section of stage that everyone had walked on prior to that. Yeah. Right. I mean, Jake the Snake literally stood on that piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every single person walking to the ring walked across this segment of it. So they had to design this in a way 
that it was sturdy enough for everyone to walk on it, but that someone, I'm assuming they had a, um, a kind of a tunnel underneath, a path underneath it that someone could get to it and remove some bracing yeah. for sure. the segment. So that it was braced and safe for everyone else to walk on it, and then someone goes in there during this match and pulls it all out so that this happens. But it was such a great, like, surprise, because you'd never expect someone to go through the section that three minutes earlier they were walking on, right? Um, yeah, it caught me off guard completely. Yeah. Well, and and so at first, you know, um, I thought, wait, was that was that the ring? That's not the ring. They weren't in yeah, there. Yeah, it was the same because, color uh, material. <laughs> usually, when they do that, it's a trap door under the ring, and and uh, you know, it's not an area they have to avoid because it's it's a reinforced piece of the ring. No, this was this was. This is places where where you never saw it coming. You just well, that's it. It it you know, trapdoor under the ring is still covered by canvas and mat, right? Yeah. So so they don't have to hide it as much. This was a place that people walked that didn't have anything covering it. You know, it was just the ramp from the from the front. It was so great. It was so well done. Uh, it was it was one of those moments that was truly shocking. Probably 120 seconds or more. It was quite a while. Um, and so then they climb out of it. Uh, Moxley hits like two more paradigm shifts. One of the first one, uh, Brody Lee kicked out at one. I don't even think they'd gotten all the way to one. I think it was like pin immediate kick out. Um, and that was kind of crazy. In the end, John Moxley just starts beating him about the head with elbows and 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 hits and slaps and fists and everything. Hits him with another paradigm shift, only gets a two count. Then he puts on the bulldog choke and switches into a rear naked choke and ref stoppage because Brody Lee's out. Brody Lee, the heel going into this match, lost by passing out. And a lot of people disliked it, and I loved it. I oh, thought man. it was awesome. Uh, because you can set up the storyline now where the heel can continue to say, you didn't beat me. I never gave up. Right, exactly. I do wish they would have, because him passing out seemed really weird, too, though. Like, the referee should have at least waved his hand to three or did something, because it was just kind of like he had him on the chokehold, and then the referee's like, all right, we're stopping it. Like no, like that's, give me that's that kind of indication. The new but, wrestling standard because it's like it's like they want to be UFC. more UFC ish. Well, that's it. If you watch on the replay, Brody Lee had one arm up in the air and then it slumped down to the ground, and that's when the referee called for it. That everything, I I would have loved it if they would have gone a little old school and did the three arm drops. Um, but that's me. I have a soft spot for the three arm drops because. I really, I don't think in my lifetime I've seen more than a handful of matches actually win with the three arm drops, right? It's always one drop, two drop, three, no, no, he's coming back. Um, so, anyways, but I still loved it because I, I, it, it allows the heel to still have an excuse. I didn't lose this match. Um, I know there are people online and there's actually a very prominent former professional wrestler who's hated uh, a lot of the endings of this. I'm looking at you, Disco Inferno. Um, he he thinks that AEW just buried their three uh, biggest uh, potential uh, 
heels in this um specifically burying Brody Lee and uh burying Lance Archer earlier I don't see either of these as burying uh partially because I see the storyline with Lance Archer and partially because I see there's a potential storyline for this but most mostly because once again this is their WrestleMania this is their big show that it's okay to allow the faces to win because you've been setting up for it for three months right and At they're not Press, gonna make Brody Lee win the champion yet, anyways. So no. like, come on. Well. At Fighter Fest, you can have the heels win stuff, right? I agree. I do 100% agree that it's usually better in in storyline standpoint to have a heel champion, right? Storyline wise, it's it's so much more fun when it's a heel champion and the babyface chasing the belt. Um, but here's the important thing of that is you have to eventually have the babyfaces win the belt, right? This was the WrestleMania moment. This was Cody's WrestleMania moment in AEW where he got to be the babyface that wins the belt, right? Uh, this was the moment where you have the Becky Lynch win win even, and retain. You have these babyfaces win against adversity, and this was a perfect example. So I have absolutely no problem with this ending entirely, right? I also have a problem with every time somebody loses a match, people on the internet say they were buried, right? <clears throat> right. Okay, Austin first of all... Being buried yeah. Because it's fake. Yeah. No, <laughs> here's the thing is, uh, was this the co-main event of a pay-per-view? Yes. Then no one was buried in this, right? <laughs> they just main-evented a pay-per-view, right? If they'd have put this match on the kickoff show, then you could argue that people got buried from it. You know, the best friends have an argument that they got buried on the kickoff show. Private party can have an argument saying, hey, we got buried because not only did we get put on the kickoff show, but we had to lose, right? But Brody Lee just co-main evented the biggest pay-per-view of the year for AEW uh, and went out looking like a rock star in the end. And yes, he lost. But guess what? Someone has to lose every match, right? Well, they don't. They don't have to lose every match. But then we get to the environment where you know everything's a DQ, and that yeah. just sucks. It does. It does. But that then brings us to the final segment of AEW Double or Nothing. <laughs> The craziest segment of AEW Double or Nothing. And and I'm just going to say right now, this was everything that the Climb the Corporate Ladder, Money in the Bank ladder match could have been um, or should have been and more. So almost all of my complaints about the Money in the Bank ladder match this year um, were were taken care of in the way they did this match. The Stadium Stampede match, the Elite and Matt Hardy versus the Inner Circle. So, of course, in the Elite, you've got Matt Hardy, you've got Hangman Page, uh, Kenny Omega, and the Young Buck. In Inner Circle, you have uh, Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Jake Hager, and Proud and Powerful Santana and Ortiz. So, five on five, they had the run of the entire Jaguar Stadium, and 
and, and, and to me, part of it was to start off so ludicrous. They had a wrestling ring set up at the 50-yard line that was used for 30 seconds and then just abandoned, right? <laughs> and never played into it in the entire rest of it because you didn't have to be in the ring to win. Um, in fact, they didn't win in the ring. So, um, but like... While, yes, uh, you know, storyline-wise and, and camera-wise, you have to have the cameras on some people, and some people are going to be doing stuff that you can't see. But because of the sheer size of that stadium, it made sense to, oh, we're following some action here because those people are off chasing someone down or whatever. But there was never a moment that I felt like, you know, hey, those people are just standing around waiting for the camera to be, you know? Um... And and specifically, the fact that they didn't have to be in a ring to win was probably one of my biggest problems with Money in the Bank is, like, my brain watching the Money in the Bank, I was like, why didn't someone just immediately say, I'm not going to fight anyone, I'm just going to run? Why didn't they all just run up the stairs and, and not fight until they got to the you know what I mean? Um, mm. Why didn't this... Oscar learn how to operate an elevator beforehand? Yeah, yeah, just... Take some time to learn which buttons goes up, right? Um, but that's the deal. Is in in the Money in the Bank, if they all would have just been, you know, of half of mine, they would have just said, "Hey, you know, I I don't have to beat you up on the main floor. We just get to the top. Whoever gets to the top first can beat up everyone else and and climb the ladder and win, right? You you could even get to the top and latch the door behind you. That would have been a great finish to the match. Have it be a uh, a five minute long match where it's just everyone runs up AJ Styles runs out the door first shuts the door behind him and puts a broom handle through it and then just meanders up and climbs the ladder and wins or whatever right but mm -hmm. this one took took care of that by saying you don't have to finish in the ring so it wasn't about getting to a specific place to win it was just about beating the tar out of each other so you could go anywhere you needed to to beat the tar out of each other and if you were hiding you could run to any place to try to avoid getting the tar beat out of you or if you're hangman page you could look for the bar which uh comes up in storyline <laughs> so it all starts off though with uh uh entrances of course every wrestling match has entrances right but this was presented <coughs> pro football style announcements where they announced them one at a time. They came running out from their entrance in, and uh, the entire inner circle came out in matching inner circle football style jersey, including the fact that Sammy Guevara and Jake Hager, um, as well as Proud and Powerful, I think J uh, Jericho might have been originally too, we're wearing pads. We're wearing football pads underneath their uniforms, right? <laughs> um, which, which, if you think about it, was freaking smart as hell, right? You're going into a fight and you can wear some pads. I'm going to wear some pads, right? That's it, for sure. Uh -huh. I like that. <clears throat> and then it goes to the uh, uh, Elite's announcements. And they come out and they're dressed in their not quite 100% ring attire, but pretty close to their ring attire. Um, just like normal. Uh, but Hangman Page isn't anywhere to be set, you know, seen. Uh, they look over at Kenny Omega, and Kenny Omega just kind of gives a knowing smile, saying, oh, he's here. Don't worry. Um, and then the match starts. And like I say, they start fighting near the ring, and the ring plays into it a little bit. There are some moves off the ring and some moves inside the ring and everything. 
but it is not very long before all the events take place outside of the ring and then elsewhere in the arena. Um, Hangman Page finally comes out uh, riding damn horse. Of course. Uh, Hell yeah. He comes out to do some cowboy shit. Uh, and uh, he comes out and he starts getting up to a gallop and Sammy Guevara looks over and sees that sees this horse coming at him and says, oh, I'm not getting run over again, and just takes <laughs> off in a dead sprint out the other way and literally runs the entire length of the football field uh, out one of these sides and uh, gets chased out by a horse. And part of the storyline for a bit is Hangman Page trying to find him in the concourse of the of the stadium on his horse. Um, I have to give Sammy Guevara a ton of credit just for cardio. Uh, because there are actual football stars who could not have made that run uh, from one end to the other without being 100% gassed out at the end. And, For sure. And I don't know, once he got through that that uh, entrance ramp uh, off screen, maybe he was gassed, but he didn't show it. No, so that's for sure. A plus for Sammy Guevara. Um, in the end... Uh, I mean, I we could spend hours going through play by play of everything that happened on this. I mean, Matt Jackson at one point jumped off one of the goalposts. Moonsault. I knew that was gonna happen. Yeah, for um, sure. Uh, but that's Timed just up to get up there and then did it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Santana and Ortiz uh threw Kenny Omega through a barricade, suspended between two tables, which was. Uh, absolutely insane because we're not talking about like four-legged tables um, like you normally see at ringside. These were those bar tops tables that are just a single post in the middle, right? They were shaky as shit, right? Uh, but they put a barricade up between them, put Kenny Omega on it, and then climbed up on this thing and power bombed him through that barricade in the middle. Um, that was impressive and scary and, and I loved it. Right. Uh, but this match was just even getting started at this point. Um, at one point, uh, Santana and Ortiz are attacking Matt Hardy. Of course, he's in his broken Matt Hardy gimmick, uh, Damascus. And if you did not know the layout of Jacksonville's arena, this may have been a little confusing. But Jacksonville, of course, is Florida. Florida has really hot weather through most of the year, uh, which leads to the fact that the Florida, the Jacksonville, Florida stadium has a pool in it. Yeah, my mom was so confused by that. She's like, but you're in a football stadium. I'm like, yeah, but it's really hot there and there's a pool. <laughs> there's, there's a pool there. And during football games, people watch from the pool. They sit in the, it's only like three foot deep. It's not like a super deep pool. But, but you can just hang out in the pool. It's got a clear glass side to it so you can see the entire field, everything that's going on. They have concessions brought to you right there. So in the games, you will often see people just hanging out in the pool. Uh, but if you didn't know that, you were probably really confused, like, like your mom. Yeah. But they throw Matt Hardy into a pool, and there's this great moment where uh, Santana jumps in and goes over to grab Matt Hardy and then says to Ortiz, come on in. And Ortiz is like, no, I, I don't know how to swim. And Santana, <laughs> like, it's like three foot deep. Just come on in. And then Ortiz turns and, and gingerly walks down the, the ladder into, into it because he's, he can't jump in. He doesn't know how to swim. 
Um, but then they go over and they beat up on Matt Hardy a little bit more, and then they hold him down under. And when he comes up, he is not Damascus. He is version 1.0 Matt Hardy. Who, That's it. Who beats them up a little bit, and then they th- push him back down underneath it. And at that point, uh, the screen changes, and a Matt fact shows up. And he comes you- back. Do you notice that that uh, Santana and Ortiz look over at the Matt Facts like, huh? Oh, oh yeah, that's part of what's ludicrous. They're like, what the heck is that? <laughs> oh, I didn't notice that actually. <laughs> well, I, I noticed the Matt fact. I just didn't notice that they were like, huh? Three hundred and forty-six seconds. That's how long Matt Hardy can hold his breath underwater. Yep, yep. I was like, oh, fun fact. Yeah. Five minutes forty-six seconds for those of you doing the math. Yeah, that's um, that's longer than a minute, right? I don't know how tight yeah. we're. Well, um, Canada can yeah. help us out with that. Definitely longer than a minute. But so, so it was this great moment. And then eventually uh, he goes down back under. They, It looks like he's out. Santana Ortiz go to climb out. Uh, and then Damascus arises out from the pool and attacks them. He ends up strapping um, Santana, I think, into, into a wheelchair. I think. Yeah, and then duct taping him in there and why saying, is he so convulsed though with the bell now I get it the bell is loud and annoying but oh, no, yeah, why was it so like I, I think it's because his head was inside it it's not that it was just just loud those bells are so loud that when your head's inside of it it literally could break your eardrums um, also the other reason why pro wrestling Pro wrestling is the other reason. Yeah. I want to point out, we already had a person magically change forms twice, like 30 seconds earlier to this. And the bell is where you're like, yep. uh, that doesn't make sense. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it. That's all it takes. Anyways, Ortiz was the one. So he gets strapped into the, the wheelchair and uh, and then uh, Damascus Matt Hardy goes off after Santana and ends up throwing Santana into the ice bin and locking it shut with a broom handle through it. And I, I loved it because you could hear him say, uh, the ice will be good to, for, to help with your inflammation. <laughs> uh, and then so, so Damascus goes off. Now we cut to uh, backstage uh, or in the concourse. When trying to chase down Sammy Guevara a little bit ago, uh, he couldn't find Sammy Guevara, but he uh, Hangman Page did find one of the bars at the, the arena. And so he parked his horse and went into the bar because I don't care about this fight. I'm going to get drunk. So it cuts to backstage and Jake Hager's trying to find Hangman Page. And he looks and he sees a horse standing there in the middle of the concourse. And he's like, well, where's Hangman Page? And then he looks and he sees, oh, there's a bar over here. I know where Hangman Page is. (laughs) (laughs) I love that he sits down next to him. Yep. So he goes and bellies up to the bar just like like Hangman Page. Hangman Page pours him a drink. Uh, They drink. And then they has fight. (laughs) And this was absolutely ludicrous in all the right ways um there 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 was a pool cue uh break over ha- uh, hager's back um that basically had no effect on jake hager like he's an iron man um jake hager does the the thing we've all seen in old westerns where he puts hagman page on the bar and he slides him down the bar 
breaking all of the things on the way down. Uh, just all of the just ludicrous stuff. You know, Hangman Page trying to beat this monster. I mean, really, they presented Jake Hager like the Terminator. Nothing oh, Hangman Page could do nothing. Was, was affecting until Kenny Omega shows up. And Kenny Omega comes in to lend a hand, and they just start breaking champagne bottles over Jake Hager's head, left and right. They certainly gave him a little bit of the bubbly, that's for sure. Yeah, he had a lot of the bubbly. Um, I didn't keep track, but it had to be at least seven or eight. Yeah. Um, Just left and right. And like the first first couple, again, didn't phase him. Didn't phase him at all. It was only... When they just started just rapid firing, bam, 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 bam. Finally, it, it hit him enough that that he was staggered and down. Uh, and then it led to one of my favorite ludicrous moments in this where... Well, first, uh, first uh, uh, Omega hits the V-trigger. Yeah, they hit the V-trigger. Uh, and so then uh, Jake Hager is absolutely stunned and, and by the bar... And then uh, Kenny Omega uh, leans over, and Hangman Page uses Kenny Omega like a vaulting horse to hit the buckshot lariat on Jake Hager over yeah. the bar to that behind him. Um, it was awesome. It was so great. It was so great. And then uh, Hangman Page goes on the other side of the bar, and uh, Kenny Omega bellies up to the bar, and uh, he puts two glasses out, and uh, Paige pours a glass of milk for Kenny Omega because Kenny Omega doesn't drink, and Kenny Omega pours a glass of whiskey for Hangman Page, and they toast and they drink their 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 rewards for finally beating Jake Hager there. Um, yeah, milk. Uh, is funny. It just just this ludicrous like fight year, and this was. I was literally laughing this entire fight. Um, I I loved every second of it. We end up getting now down to uh, going back down to the ring. We've got Chris Jericho. We've got the Young Bucks down on the ring right now, uh, and Sammy Guevara finally makes it out. Uh, they they're fighting. Uh, at one point, uh, Chris Jericho tries to pin. I think it was Nick Jackson. Uh, for a two count by uh, referee Aubrey Edwards. Chris uh, Jericho then argues that it was a three count. It should have been a three count. He throws a challenge flag <laughs> like in football. And so Aubrey Edwards goes under the hood into the replay room. And Chris Jericho follows her in there, which she protests, saying, you can't be in here, to watch the replay to show that it was legitimately just a two count. Uh, and then Chris Jericho comes out talking about worst referee ever. Oh, this is horrible. I was robbed. That was a three count. Um, I thought it was just ludicrous, but awesome. Uh, during this time, Matt Jackson starts to do his uh, Northern Light suplexes, where, you know, he does the suplex, then he flips over and he does another one. And he starts at one end zone. And eventually we see him crossing the other end zone with Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara got Northern Lights suplex the entire length of the field, at least in storyline. I'm certain they didn't actually do it. Um, no, of course not. He, he wouldn't be able to. They'd be so tired. <laughs> but storyline-wise, it was awesome. Yeah. It was hilarious. Um, so so now Sammy Guevara's just been Northern Lights suplex like 30 times. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, that's that's no, it's got to be like a hundred times. If each Northern Lights suplex went three feet, that's a yard. So that's a right. hundred Northern well, Lights. Well, probably suplex. closer to fifty though. Yeah. I mean, he's got to be about six foot tall, five eight. Yeah, but it's a bridge, so you know. But he also rolled through on him, so it's probably it's probably you're probably pretty close with thirty. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? It doesn't matter. It's still. It was great. <laughs> it's awesome. Um. So, uh, Kenny Omega then ends up showing up, uh, helping out. At one point, um, Chris Jericho gets knocked down and out. Um. Oh, before this happens, I actually have to I have to go with this. Uh, Chris Jericho gets in a fight with Jackson Deville, the mascot of Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh-huh. Do we know he, who is actually playing the mascot? I don't know. Uh, I, it very likely, I mean, because it acted just like the mascot normally does. So I bet you it was their actual mascot, Gary. Uh, but whoever it was, he took a Judas effect like a champ. Um, I was hoping that it would be cut in Tony Khan. But I know that they're not. He's not going to be involved in them. Yeah, he he's uh, been pretty adamant that he doesn't want to be an on-screen character. But anyways, but so Chris Jericho ends up getting taken out, and a very very drunk Hangman Page shows up with the line marker machine and drives <laughs> it over Chris Jericho. So Chris Jericho has a white line, a squiggly white line, because. Uh, Hangman's not exactly walking straight at this point uh, <laughs> over his face. Um, uh, Stammy Guevara uh, ends up recovering from the Northern Light suplexes when the uh, sprinklers come on on the field, uh, <laughs> which yeah. wakes him up enough for him to think that he won because he's the only person he can see. So uh, apparently he's the last man standing. Um, but that doesn't that happiness doesn't last too long because uh, then Matt Hardy and Kenny Omega show up in another golf cart. <laughs> also, remember Matt Jackson got the flag too, or Nick, whoever was doing the Northern Light suplexes. Oh yeah, yeah. Matt Matt got flagged for excessive celebration. <laughs> he was doing an end zone dance. I forgot. And it was an homage to Disco Inferno. Uh, Alex Wright, excuse me, Alex Wright. Alex Wright. Well, yeah, they mentioned that he should get flagged because of the Alex uh, imitating Alex Wright, which I loved. I loved it. It was just so great. But so, so uh, Kenny Omega and Matt Hardy end up running down Sammy Guevara again in a golf cart. Guy just can't catch a break. Um, golf cart. Uh, he uh, Sammy Guevara does end up climbing to try to escape, climbing up. Uh, into the stands um, and trying to fight them off. He ends up on top of kind of a roof above a section of the stands fighting with uh, Matt Hardy and Kenny Omega. And uh, Kenny Omega ends up getting him up into the one-winged angel and hits this. That had to be 30 feet. Oh, oh if easy two stories, if not three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one-winged angel all the way off that down to ground level they i mean they had a platform that he busted through so so and it was you the could, safest you they could make a little bit of the padding but there wasn't yeah. there wasn't a ton <laughs> uh it was it was it was insane this whole thing was absolutely insane um and it was like i said everything that i was hoping that uh wwe could pull off with the money in the bank ladder climb the corporate ladder match and more um, this thing was just phenomenal. I was rolling from beginning to end. Uh, 
I I will watch this a hundred more times. There there's very few pay-per-views that come on that make me want to say I want to watch it again and again and again and this is one of them. Um it's up there like the the um Firefly Funhouse match from WrestleMania. I will watch that again even though it was hardly a match. But but this one it was just ludicrous and I was grinning from ear to ear from beginning to end on this match. Uh the camera work too man like the camera work was awesome considering how big of a space they had i think they mentioned there was 18 cameramen there they originally said 20 but then they made a joke with that it was 18 like the camera work on a larger scale of it being a football field compared to the camera work in a building um which you would imagine would need less cameramen people just it just it was just such a better production. That well, got- yeah, and it'd be really easy to get a whole lot of shaky cam in this, but there wasn't. So that meant every one of those cameras was on a steady cam mount of some sort, some sort of gimbal to keep it smooth, which those take skill to really operate. Those are not easy, you know, mm-hmm. especially if it's a full steady cam rank. You know, you got to train a lot to get those well. Um, so, no, this thing was, this match, it was crazy. It didn't make sense, but it wasn't supposed to make sense in the end. It was just this big, crazy, ludicrous street ball brawl thing. Um, I, there's no words to really describe it, but every moment of it made me laugh. Every single moment. I mean, yeah, there was... What a way to end it, though. It was just, it had everything. It had laughter, it had wrestling, it had, um, you know, it had uh, memories attached to it, you know, paying homage to Matt Hardy's different characters. Um, It had memories of old cowboy movies. Like, it just had a little bit of everything. It was really just epic. Even Jericho mentioned on his uh, Facebook that out of his 30-year career, this has to be one of his top 10 things that he's done um, of all time. So, it's saying a lot. And, you know, you can tell Jericho it's it's something new. You know what I mean? Uh, when I think, if I'm not mistaken, didn't The Rock or someone do something in a stadium at one point, but that was more of a wrestling match. Was it a stadium? I feel yeah, like it was it the a... empty arena yeah. with... Uh... With uh, was it Rock Mankind? Uh, mankind, thank you. Yes, that's it. Uh, the wasn't it halftime heat? That's it. It was during halftime heat. Yeah. Um, and so I mean, this this thing was it was great. Uh, my only worry, and I say worry with with hesitation on this, is they have announced that they want the stadium stampede to become a, a semi regular thing. Uh, for AEW, and and it's kind of one of those things I worry going to this well too often will will dilute it too much. You know what I mean? Uh, like, can you remember the first Hell in a Cell match that you saw? Yeah, yeah, that was the first Hell in a Cell match. Yeah, and it was phenomenal, right? Yeah, it was it was uh, HBK versus HBK versus Undertaker, and King yeah. came out and ripped off the door. Yep. You remember the second Hell in a Cell match? You. Yep. Yep. Undertaker versus Mankind. Yep. Mankind yep. threw off the top of the ring, ring and then through the ring. Can you the... remember the twelfth Hell in a Cell match you watched? Uh, <laughs> a little tougher, isn't it? Can I right? can I give you like the fifth one where Rikishi went off the top of the ring? Nope, nope. I asked for twelfth. Right? <laughs> would it would it be easier if I asked for twentieth? I think he... that's easier. So yeah, I'm gonna go with yeah. 
the 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 exact answer is they've diluted the Hell in a Cell match so much that they don't have that impact that they did at one point, right? I'm not saying they shouldn't have Hell in a Cell matches anymore, uh, but the fact that they've got an entire pay-per-view based off of it means now they have at least one every year, uh, and actually two now because they usually have a men's and a women's Hell in a Cell, you know, now. Um, and having it repeat over and over and over again, uh, in the end, makes each one of them a little bit less special, you know? Well, you're not going to get certain spots again. And and WWE has tried to do that, and that's the downside to it, is, oh, we're going we're gonna to try and duplicate the Mankind spot again. No, that's, that's Mick's, man. Just let Mick have that. Yeah, it's his. So, you know. so just as a point of, of trivia, how many Hell in a Cell matches do you think they've had? Oh, 18. I'm going with 24. You are both wrong. They, this year, or last year, I should say, did their 41st and 42nd Hell in a Cell match. Ooh. Wow. They, that's exactly, like, like if I went back oh. and I said... So who won the 12th one? <laughs> just out of curiosity. <laughs> 12th one was... Batista defeating Triple H at Vengeance in 2005. Yeah, I know that. I, I just, yeah, that was, that was, I, I just didn't want to say it out loud because, you know, I didn't want, I didn't I, want to I ruin your point. Get to a certain point, and yeah, I didn't want to ruin that. Because he wanted you to give him what he wanted. That's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay, do you remember what 20th was? Because I mentioned that one. Uh, well, I, I, I get your point, man. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to... <laughs> Ra- Randy Orton beating Sheamus. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, That was that's... a great match, too. How about the one where Undertaker beat Shane McMahon? I think I do actually remember that one because he threw it was a big deal because we knew yeah, we were that, was, beat, uh, that was kind of recent no wasn't that like yeah. seven three, years ago, ago. Uh, 2016 so seven years ago was closer than three or four but hey four, I mean, four, I, four, I, <laughs> remember math not my up. strong suit we'll move on <laughs> uh, do, you, do you remember the one where Roman Reigns beat Rusev I don't even remember that happening <laughs> it was the same night that Kevin Owens defeated Seth Rollins. Oh, damn. It was also the same night that Charlotte Flair defeated Sasha Banks in what I believe was the first women's Hell in a Cell. Oh, Anyways, uh, yeah. that's this kind of my... Sexist? I don't really care about the first women's Hell in a Cell. Oh, wow. That sounds very sexist. I, I said it was going to sound hella sexist, and, and it's not intended to. And, and Just... you are correct. You know, I found most of the time when someone starts a thing with, well, this is going to sound really, they're right. It is. But I'm going to offend you all kinds. Like, no, 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 not to offend. You've done offended. It happened. That's it. You're sexist. Let's move on. Whoa. Bro. Okay. Matt Riddle is not sexist. Do not bro me. Okay. (laughs) But. So, so you want to yourself, what's going on? So, so in the end, basically, I, I, I know we don't typically do grades when we do these reviews of the pay per view, like our our raw reviews and our SmackDown reviews. We throw out throw out a grade at the end, um, and we each have our own little little twist on how we do it. But for this particular uh, pay per views, we typically don't throw out grades. 
Um, I loved this pay-per-view so much. I am saying it was a 9.9 out of 10. That's that's where uh, I... Wow, a 9.9 out of 10. Why? Because nothing could be perfect? Um, yeah, no, I mean, I'll, I'll give it an 8.5 out of 10. Just because of the uh, Dustin match and the first women's match. Um, really brought it down, so... Uh, yeah, nine out of ten. Yeah, eight point five out of ten. That's 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 where I'm heading. I'm gonna go with a twenty-six on a twenty-eight scale. Oh Jesus! Because <laughs> it really messes people up, and and it would have been higher except for somebody had to call me racist. Yourself had to uh, call yourself sexist. sexist. So you're pen- <gasps> penalting the rating because of yourself. Yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> so. The other thing, you know, some people, probably the, like I said, the only one that brought it down for me, really, that stopped me from giving it a 10 out of 10 was the the Sean Spears versus uh, Dustin. It just didn't feel like it belonged in that way. And maybe if it had been earlier in the night, maybe if it had been like the first match, start off with this big comedy to set you up for, hey, here's what to expect. Maybe it would have been different or something, but maybe it was the placing, but it just didn't, didn't fly for me. Yeah, straight but, up. But in the end, there was one complaint that some people had about Nyla Rose Luke. They're like, how can they take the title off her? She's only had it for three months. And I honestly I think, thought she's had it for longer. Which is no, weird. because she won it at, at Revolution in, in February, so three months is, is about right. Um, yeah. But I, you know, I want to point out that that's longer than uh, Randy Orton held it held the WWE championship in 2017 longer than Bray Wyatt's run in 2017 uh longer than John Cena's last run uh, um longer than Dean Ambrose's run in 2016 uh longer than Roman Reigns's run in 2016 see what I'm kind of getting at here they they act like a three-month reign was not very long but in the grand scheme of things, three months is actually a long time to hold a championship belt in any sport, right? Um, especially a sport like this that is constantly being defended. If there was if there was a UFC champion who defended their belt once a month, do you think anyone well, hold would up, hold that one? Hold up, though. How many times did she defend it? That I don't know offhand, but it doesn't. I, uh, you know, in the it, end, I feel like she only defended it like twice. If that, so yeah, like twice. Roman Reigns defended his uh, belt three times in 77 days. Uh, Dean Ambrose defended it one time in 84 days officially. Um, So, so the point is still moot in terms of number of defenses. Um, In the end, it's 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 like uh, this is this is a fake sport with with fake results. But 30, uh, you know, 90 days of holding the belt, or roughly 90 days, I should say, um, is still a, a statistic that's that's good in the long run. I mean, how long has Sasha Banks held uh, the championship belt in either Raw or SmackDown? I bet you if you combined all of her reign, she's less than 90 days. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, you got a dog on Sasha, man. I know. You're an ass for doing that, though, for sure. And... If Nyla has successfully defended one's it, sexist and one's a Sasha hater. God damn, what's if, wrong with If, if Nyla that? has successfully defended the belt more than once, she's also successfully defended it more than Sasha Banks. Bro, I, I if I don't know this is how you're gonna behave tonight, 
I'd have slapped you when I saw you earlier this week. <laughs> no, here's the my my point still is I'm not what dogging is- on Sasha. I'm not dogging on uh, on I'm I'm trying to point out that a 90 day reign is something to still be applauded. Right? 90 days is almost too long, especially in WWE. Remember, most of my viewership because I don't have a lot of time and I get peeled away from AEW because I do the NXT review. Um, by choice, but because I want to, I mean, as soon as Smarks claimed AEW, I was like, I'm getting the second best show then. <laughs> um, but uh, I get exhausted by the Becky Lynch, um, Brock Lesnar level runs. Like, those are too long. There's too much to it to do that. And so that frustrates me. So I'm, I'm glad that, that there was a shorter reign here. And I'm a Nyla Rose fan. Mm-hmm. That's that's my point. I'm I'm just trying to 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 point out to these people who say that her reign was too short. Is uh, first of all, there are a lot of very accomplished, and this is where I bring up Sasha Banks. Very accomplished and very very talented women, female professional wrestlers who get less time at it, and who deserve more. Right? I'm not saying that Sasha doesn't deserve a 90 day reign. I'm saying that when you take it in the end, she was still the champion for 90 freaking days or roughly like I can do the exact math. It was about three months. So close to 90 days, right? That's still something to be applauded. Not something to be like she was only for 90 days, right? Because I want to say, hey, Mr. So-and-so on Twitter, who's saying, oh, they took the belt off of Nyla Rose after only 90 days. How many days have you been champion? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why you're exhausting so much. I don't know why it grinds your gears so much, though. This is just the Twitter sphere being the Twitter sphere. Even if she had it for one whole year, they would still say it wasn't enough time. Or they'd say say way too long. Or way too long. You should have done this six months ago. The entire division division wasn't very strong anyways. You're burying the division. Well, so so uh, I'll answer your question as to why it grinds my gears so much uh, with pointing out that this is Raw and Order, the wrestling booking unit, a podcast that is available on the internet um, that uh, gets listened to because we say stuff. <laughs> and, hey, hey and, calm down, Corey Graves. Just calm yourself. Therefore, if I did not say stuff, this would be a very, very short podcast. Um, practically non-existent. Without your rant, to be fair. Um, <laughs> ah, it was shorter than half Sometimes. of my rants. Those of us who'd like to get a word in edgeways would not be upset if you said less. Listen, you can get as many words in edgeways as you want, as long as I don't press this here mute button. <laughs> well played. But anyways, that was enough of my rant. I just wanted to point out to these people that instead of saying, hey, she she lost the championship after only three months, say she was the champion for three whole months, Right. If this is a positive thinking lesson is what it is. And I think they did it at the most perfect time. If this is, in fact, their WrestleMania, hey, guess what? Mm-hmm. The good guy good or good girl won. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And this is just uh, how it usually goes at a WrestleMania-type build and so on. And, geez, this helped. Like, this, even if she's not the champion, I think Nyla Rose doing this... 
that job. But yeah, I guess Nyla Rose doing this job makes her even more powerful than she when she was the champion, in my opinion. So I think this did both. I think this did well for both of them completely. I, I feel I look at both of these wrestlers now in such a a higher regard if you will the, the match was amazing i didn't think these two women could pull up such a good match so kudos to both of them though like amazing well, like like i said earlier how excited am i now to watch the fallout of nyla rose just destroying shit on wednesday right that's it to me this makes me even more excited to see nyla rose not that i needed any more reason to be excited to see nyla rose but now she's gonna start breaking stuff. She's yeah, gonna be unhinged. Yeah, this, that's the deal. People place. are gonna start going through tables again. Yeah, this is gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be a crazy dynamite that I cannot wait for for sure. It's gonna be a good time. Um, yeah, and then yeah, it's just gonna be good. I don't know. I'm just. I'm excited. It's. Uh, they did really well with that matchup. I was totally not expecting it too. So I'm glad that it surprisingly caught me off guard and in a good way so yeah i'm just great great pay-per-view though like top to bottom aside from the dustin uh dustin rose match and um the penelope ford match but that we can give it a little break uh since it was put together last minute um the Rhodes match though i think that's telling a longer term story i really do well i hope so they're gonna have to because if they just end it like that uh, but Blanchard has to be a part of it, though, if you want it to be, if you want it to look legit in any way, shape, or form. Tully Blanchard would have to be part of that, um, or else it just looks stupid. Because now it makes Sean Spears look really ridiculous. Um, and hopefully, and obviously, I imagine Spears knows where it's going from, where it's going to be going to. So hopefully it pays off yeah i think something bigger is being told there i hope i hope so yep <laughs> yeah no i i think there's something bigger being told to me like i said part of my problem i think was the location in the show it it didn't flow for me and necessarily at that location um but the women's match right well no the the uh the dustin Rhodes. Yes. Sean yeah Spears after thing. the Dustin. Yeah, after the Dustin Rose. What was after that? Uh, after Dustin Rose went to... Penelope Cruz and Statlander. Uh, no, that went up to... It, it, Penelope Cruz and Statlander was before it. Hikaru Shida and Nyla Rose was after it. So they, they put this comedy match in between the two women's matches. Um, I would have probably, like I said, rather have seen uh, the Dustin Rhodes like right after the ladder match, right? I I got to be honest, putting it right at the beginning, if it had been the first first actual match on the show, I wouldn't have had a problem with that either. Well, and and create an itch for for Spears to get it done quickly because he's not here yet. He's not here yet. He's not here yet. You know. Exactly. Like, you could even be like, hey, I tell you what. Um, you know the the tag team match, the uh, best friends versus uh, uh, yeah, private party. Uh, private party. That's what it was. Thank you. Um, he, you could have him be like, hey, you guys want you guys want a main show main show match? You guys want one on the pay per view? I'm gonna I'm gonna see if they'll move mine to the pre show. You know, like Dustin doesn't get that that way. He has less time to get here, just in case. You know, have a little bit of the back to, backstage tease with that, and then that creates something like oh, he's not going to be able to make it now I got moved to the front you know 
Yeah, but it would have been too hard to tell that story. Not everyone watches the YouTube stuff. On Dynamite, they didn't do that. Um, honestly, though, there wasn't... Like, the, the only build this was was basically from that Dynamite promo, right? Mm-hmm. Essentially. Yeah. So it was also just too quick. So there wasn't any build from it. And so no one cared. It just... It was a match that didn't need to have been done and just made uh, Spears look more ridiculous and a waste of Dustin Rose's... Like, they're both great wrestlers, but Dustin Rose, I, I imagine Dustin Rose wanted to be part of the Double or Nothing because he was part of the first one. So he wants to continue on that tradition for his brother's promotion and so on. So I get that yeah. he wants to be part he of it. He put on the best match in the show at the first Double or Nothing. Oh, that, uh, was it against his brother or was it a tag match? That was what the one against his brother. Oh, yeah. That so, was yeah, you don't go from best match of the I want to be on it because this is the thing for my brother and this is our first match against each other and all this stuff <laughs> to hey yeah I'll go ahead and put on a crap show that's it that's it that's and that's a, it just goes to show you a year before he had the best match of the night yeah the worst and it was a comedic match whereas the other one actually had story driven into it brother versus brother all that was the best match of the night it was the most serious match of the night i imagine i'm saying they have to be telling a better story long term here um i hope so (laughs) anyway it seems like we've just changed from one coach to another as the opposing coach for arn anderson like like we still need something there from Tully and Arn, and Arn should uh, should have been out there with Dustin. I think. Yeah, uh, I think a lot yeah, of it was held should... back by to- Tully not being. Yeah, I know. But like you say, you know, I could totally see this being a storyline where, like we said earlier, Tully shows up and is like, "I, I thought I told you to not do stupid shit while I was gone, and what the fuck are you doing?" You know. Um, this lands in the category of stupid shit. Yes. See this? Stupid shit. Don't do stupid shit. At the very least, come out in your gear. And why in the hell are you wearing underwear with my face in your dick? Yeah. And, and maybe that's the storyline they're telling. Maybe it's going to be Tully uh, firing Sean Spears. You know? Saying, I'm embarrassed. Yeah. You've embarrassed <laughs> me. I'm no longer your coach. Uh, maybe Tully choosing a new up-and-comer to replace Sean Spears, and now Sean Spears is on the outside looking in again. Anyway, but we could probably talk for four hours about it, and we've instead only talked for almost three. So we will probably wrap this up now. We're going to really quickly talk, however, about the contest. We've been talking about the tweet to win for a few weeks now. Three weeks, I think. Um, and and we were saying how uh, we were going to choose the winner at our Double or Nothing review. And guess what? This is our Double, this is our double review. Or so, so <laughs> congratulations go out to the winner of the contest <laughs> is... <laughs> Deadly by Nature. Deadly, Deadly by, by Nature. Nature. Followed us on Twitter. Uh, actually, they... I, I'm, I'm thinking... It's it's a she, but I guess I don't know for certain. Looking at their Twitter profile, they really don't say. So um, we'll find Dem- out. The super um, entry from the yeah. half baked Jim episode. Mm-hmm. Easy baked Jim. Awesome. They gym, they entered. Right. They hashtag boycott Jim Cornette. They hashtag Raw and Order WBU. They even tagged Becky Lynch in it, which 
technically is uh, part of the rules. So they got a ton of entries and they won the super prize based on that. So yeah. um, I will be Four sending shirts. a message one to us. Three from, what, did we say? Yeah. One from us, two from, from uh, Pro Wrestling Tees. Unfortunately, we do not order from WWE right now. So you're not going to get a Becky Lynch tee out of this. I'm sorry. But uh, unless she has some on Pro Wrestling Tees. I don't might. believe so. I don't think WWE allows her to. The, um, there are a few WWE wrestlers that do. A lot of legends do, though. So, um, And some of them have it from before they went to WWE still. But and then, Becky Lynch is not. sure she could choose between ours or Pro Wrestling Tees. So she could mm-hmm. get two from us or one from us and three from Pro Wrestling Tees. So I will be sending her a message on Twitter. Her, him, them. Whatever. Uh, I will also be finding out what their pronoun is on Twitter, <laughs> so that so that we know for certain. But deadly by nature, congratulations! You won the tweet to win, and you're going to be getting some free stuff. So yeah. let me hit you up for some information. Um, that being said, just because the contest is not going on anymore, doesn't mean you still can't like, share, and subscribe to this you can share this episode or any of our previous or following episodes on twitter you can still use the hashtag raw and order wbu if you want to makes it easier easier for us to find sometimes or you can just it tag also me. might mess up and get you another entrant in the future whenever we do a contest it very well might um yep. contest is over for now but we always reserve the right to start a new contest um but you can always tag me at Raw and Order WBU. You can tag DA Fabe at DA Vincent K Fabe. And you can follow and or tag JLB at at JLB420 or Real Talk Radio 8 is the brand for my Real Talk Radio show. And uh, I'll definitely DM you back because uh, I'm quite a Twitter uh, person. And so, yep. Awesome, awesome. Um, I also. I'm actually kind of springing this on both of you because uh, I didn't exactly tell you I was going to announce that our Patreon is live. Um, But our Patreon is live. So so after almost, what is it, nine months now of running this podcast and talking about the support on Anchor, instead I'm going to send you to Patreon. Patreon.com slash raw and order WBU is our site. There are various different levels of sponsorship there. Um, as little as $3 a month. $3 a month gets you uh, a, a little bit of benefit, but for just $5 a month, you get to listen to all of our shows ad-free on uh, Patreon, which is just a great, great way to do it. If you don't want to listen to us, hawk some product or anchor.fm, go to patreon.com, throw us some bones that way. Going all the way up, we've even got one where you get a free t-shirt. We're going to be doing uh, Q&As on there. We're going to start doing some uh, classic pay-per-view reviews that you'll be able to vote on at certain levels there. All sorts of fun stuff there. Head on over to patreon.com slash raw and order WBU to learn more about that. Do Uh, it. Do it. You can also visit our merch shop, shop.spreadshirt.com slash raw and order WBU. Uh, where you can see all of the merchandise that we currently have, and we're adding new stuff there often as well. Um, Links, of course, to both our Patreon and our Spreadshirt are going to be in the doobly-doo 
as well as links to our Wix site and all of our Twitter and all of that stuff. So, um, but on that note, I think we'll close the book on the wrestling booking unit this week, unless either of you have something to say. Gotta throw out a minor misdemeanor, even though this isn't a WB, we didn't do a full WBU. Um, this misdemeanor goes out to, to uh, NXT for doing it wrong. I I have no clue why they did this with the three-way tie, um, but putting that three-way tie into a match on Wednesday for um, the person to win to face um, Phantasma, also doing it wrong. That should have been Tozawa. Um, Bastards. Oh, <laughs> this, uh, this goes out to... Uh, NXT and misdemeanor. I, it's felony, but but they just got lucky enough that uh, AEW had their show this weekend. Um, so it's only going to be a misdemeanor. They did it wrong. They should have had that triple threat either. They should have had a, a fatal four-way. That's what they should have done um, at uh, in your house. But they're not going to because reasons. <laughs> so, so the real question is, do we think that this is is them just capitalizing on Drake Maverick? Um, or was this the plan the entire time? I don't know. I, I will know after Wednesday. I mean, if Kushida wins at Wednesday, then we know that they didn't even want to do that. Um, I, I, I cannot help but think that this is just milk one more match from Drake Maverick. But, yeah, this is um, definitely capitalizing. If you're going to do that, you should have done it with the pay-per-view. You know, if you're milking Drake Maverick, you're going to do it at the pay-per-view, which is even worse because that means Drake Maverick's going to lose to Phantasma at the pay-per-view. Um, I, what I really think it is, is is pushing Phantasma too fast, way too fast. And it is going to bury a division that's taken a just freaking beating for years upon years upon years. Um, yeah, the the head-to-heads counted. They didn't tell us that before. You know, it should have just been, oh, you're two and one and you're two and one. So you two both are in, you know. Um, I'd have been happier with the five-way match that I said I didn't want than what they're doing right now. Phantasma was the wrong dude to to put in and, and flat out that three-way tie should have gone for whole bunches of flippy dudes in one match from lots of different guys because uh, I, I think they could have done something really spectacular with the uh, cruiserweight division at In Your House. So, yeah, they're capitalizing on Drake Maverick, by the way. Yes. For sure. For sure. And and just what we know our viewers uh, like to hear on an AEW review is us talk about WWE for a bit. Well, I, you know, I, it's, I intentionally avoided I'm, it on Wednesday. I did remarks. It's, it's your fault. Yeah, in you fairness, I was the one who started talking about <laughs> WWE, right? I take the blame. I started back when I was talking about championships as well. So, so, but I just think it's funny that we talk AEW, so great, so great, so great. And then, um, oh, by the way, we're going to talk NXT for a bit at the end of this episode. So, just we a gotta real, be fair to all federations. Just a minor crime. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm not entirely sure what they're doing there. I. I kind of just have this sinking feeling that it is setting up for Drake Maverick versus Phantasma at the In Your House pay-per-view and, or whatever, yeah, In Your House, and uh, that Drake Maverick's going to lose then because that's going to be pretty close to when his 90-day no-compete is officially up. 
And yeah, definitely yeah. just to do that for sure. Why not? Uh, that and, being said, I want to watch it in your house too. Yeah. So because of the that. upside out of it is we have got to see uh, a little bit more about what Drake Maverick can actually do, or as I like to refer to him as by his real name, Rockstar Spud. His his given <laughs> his, biological name. Rockstar yes, his Spud. real one hundred percent real name that was given to him by his parents <laughs> when he was born, Rockstar Spud. Boom, just like that. Coolest parents in the world. Exactly. Well, they knew he was going to be a rock star, so might as well just name him that, right? Why beat around the bush? So, yeah. They're like, well, we're tiny, and so he's probably going to be tiny, but we know he's going to be an absolute rock star, so why don't we just call him Rockstar Spud? Oh, honey, you're so smart. Let's do that. (laughs) That's not typically how those conversations go, but it did in his life, so. Yeah, it's exactly what happened. I'm one, I was I was there in the hospital room as a baby <laughs> listening to it. I remember every second of it in Manchester. Pretty sure I'm pretty sure you would have been a non-baby. Uh, I I would have been older than baby, but not by as much as. Oh, I thought he was older than you. I don't think so. We will find out. <laughs> No, no, no. You're definitely older than him, for sure. No offense. I want to say he's in, like, his 30s. Maybe late 30s. Um, He is 37 right now. So I would have been five years old. Well, good job taking notes at the age of five. That was impressive. My memory was really good at five. And and pulling them back out 37 years later. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, yep. And somehow or another, without a passport, I made it over to Birmingham, England at five years old. Yeah. Genius. World traveler, that is. Anyways, this thing went off the rails at the end. (laughs) We managed to keep it focused up until then, but I think we'll just call it quits tonight. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will see you soon with our WWE Raw review and then our visit from the FBI. Thanks for listening. Special congratulations to our contest winner. Boom, boom. Cheers, cheers.